0: indescribable podcast they'll recap cxg on one indescribable podcast they'll share their points of view Add in this one pause was real amped up the josh lawsuit but that he wants something more easy. Turns to dead, I friend Nathaniel. But then she gets cold feet and tells Josh everything now onto your favorite podcast where we bring all of our hearts for. Yes,
1: that's right. We're here. We're back uh, here at One Indescribable Podcast, where we are going through the hit CW show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend week after week after week, and we have made it into season three. We are on the second episode of season three. Uh, Last week, we talked about the first episode, and here we are talking about the second. I am Adam H, of course, with uh, with you here every single time, every single podcast, but I am not alone. I'm never alone. On this podcast, I have some of my very good friends. We certainly have a Maria over here. Landy, how are you? Who's Maria? <laughs> I was curious to see if Lindy would get that reference from the show. Um, I'm uh, interested in uh, in uh, hearing her thoughts about that specific reference. Lindy, how
2: are you? I'm great. Confused to start off with, but here I am, ready okay. to go.
1: If that's not like the motto of our podcast, then I, you know, I feel like that's very appropriate. Uh, for where we stand normally and then of course it's not just us we have uh the king of the boudoir todd how are you you
3: know as always i'm hoping that this a uh, podcast will be a way to fill the holes inside so i can stop shoplifting unitards and fuzzy pillows at urban outfitters but it hasn't happened ask. yet so
1: yeah you have a lot of unitards behind you i was gonna ask about that but yeah so many it, well, they look good. I will say Todd wears a different Unitard every single time we record, and they look good. I mean, he pulls it off. Yeah, he pulls it off.
3: Yeah, I, I, appreciate off. That. Yeah, I mean, you that's know, why they pull- call me Unitard.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> ding, that's good <laughs> I bet that's not too many characters for Twitter <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <your triangle. Yeah. laughs>
1: I wonder if I have, uh, Unitad has got to be taken I'm going to look that up here in just a second uh, But it's not just the two of us, three of us I don't know why I said two of us, not just the two of you joined with me that, yeah, that all makes sense, math <laughs> wise. It's not just the three of us here. We are joined uh by our <laughs> very special guest. I'm losing it already today. Uh, someone who absolutely loves to moan when they hit a good patch of plaque. It is Austin Smith. Austin, how are you?
4: That is that is quite the introduction. <laughs> um. <laughs> um uh yeah well i'm i'm excited to be here like it's you know it's, it's a good thing you you brought me back but you know i, I want to be bad i want a bad thing so let's let's get into a really like wacky episode i'm so excited <laughs>
1: This one is so wild. Um, I'm incredibly excited to get into it. We have some really amazing featured moments for some of my favorite characters. Um, But I am curious, Austin, uh, you basically, I think, had the pick of the litter here when it came to season three episodes. And here we are seeing you nice and early in the season. What was it sort of about this episode that drew you in?
4: Well, so last time I was on, uh I was on for the the Love Triangle's episode and that was like really the only song cuz you guys didn't consider Period Sex enough of a song to rank. Um so I was like, okay, wh- which episode of season 3 has the most songs? Uh <laughs> to,
5: uh
4: to target it on. But no, like that was part of it. Let's be let's be honest, but mostly like the songs in this episode absolutely not get out of the park it's a really fun episode for an episode that is like pretty dark in a lot of ways it's a really wacky one um and the songs just they they slap hard um in in this set so i am not wait to get into them
1: they absolutely do i love the music of this episode i'm really excited to talk about it we have all four of us here today to talk through season three episode two of crazy ex-girlfriend i think that's enough from us lindy take it away
2: all right this one is called to josh with love and right off the bat this is a music filled episode possibly the most musical episode of the show and we start off with the season three theme song and even though this is episode two we haven't heard it yet so let's start off what do we think of the new theme song austin you can go first
4: well, I was saying, like, uh, you know, how all of the songs in this episode, like, really go hard, except this one. I, <laughs> I, I am not a fan of the of the season three theme song. Like, it just doesn't do it for me. Like, I, I love uh, season one for its sort of nostalgic classic quality. Season two is my personal favorite, just because I love the the jazzy vibes of it all. Thank
2: you, um, thank you.
4: Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> but season three. Nah, it doesn't really do it for me. I feel like it, it has a good concept there, but it just doesn't quite land it well enough to, to stand out for me.
3: Yeah, I think Austin kind of summed up my thoughts pretty well, and that the concept is interesting, and I kind of like the idea of it, but in the execution, it just doesn't really work for me the way that the other uh, theme songs have worked for me. I still I feel like uh it's not a bad song, but basically compared to the first two, it's definitely, out of the three that we've gotten so far, it's third by quite a bit.
1: I don't think I'm prepared to say quite a bit. Uh, I think that is like somewhat close to the season two theme for me, whereas season one is certainly number one with a bullet. But it is the worst of the three, I think. I'll, I'll definitely uh, agree with that.
2: Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here. Uh, This is our third favorite out of three. However, I agree with Austin. Uh, The second one is my favorite. Then the first one. Then this one. And again, like Todd said, it's not bad. It just doesn't quite get there. Like, I don't mind listening to it. But the other theme songs so far, for me, just way better. So It doesn't
4: hype me up for the episode the same way that that season one or or season two do. Um, It just kind of like, it's like, okay, it's there. It's a it's a thing like uh, I I was rewatching a a chunk of uh, season three um, one afternoon recently um, and realized that Netflix was doing its annoying like skip the intro thing, which I normally hate and always will like go back and rewatch the intro when it tries to push me ahead. And I realized like several episodes in that I wasn't doing it for season three because I just didn't care enough about this theme song to want to catch it each episode. So
5: yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know how many episodes, never I did my like rewatch binge, I don't know how many episodes into the third season was before I realized, oh wait, I haven't seen the third season intro song at all. Because unlike, one of the good things about season one is you almost always saw the intro because of the way, or had the chance to see the intro, mm. because they always like had someone lead into the intro song. And season two didn't do that as much it did kind of a little bit have things lead into the intro song but season three it seems like a lot of the episodes just start straight from recap to the song and if you skip the recap on Netflix it just goes straight into the episode and yeah I didn't really miss it most of the time
2: So then we get into the episode, Uh, Paula and Rebecca are at the office, they are working on their plan to sue Josh, Paula's really excited about it, and she's like, oh, aren't you, this is so much better than, you know, the cupcake idea, aren't you, so glad you didn't do that, and Rebecca's like, yeah, that was a silly thing that I definitely did not do, (laughs) and as we saw, she did do that.
4: Yeah. Like I, I do I do love Paula's excitement about the whole uh let's sue Josh of it all. It's like cause it's so and it comes up obviously several times in this episode of how like banal <laughs> it is as a as a form of revenge. But like even in just this little moment here, yeah. it's it's so fun seeing that contrast between Paula's excitement over something so ordinary compared to like what got her excited in season one of like the you know the hijinks and the um the shenanigans of it all. But you know, now it's like, no, ordinary things are what gets me excited that I'm excited for. Um, and it's Rebecca that's kind of pulling back on, on all of that. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fun little note to kind of begin the episode on.
2: And there's still some silliness here because then they start making fun of Josh. Paula calls him a fool, and they're like, Oh, I want to be a priest. Oh, can you still have sex and become a priest? in that little <laughs> kind of voice. <laughs> it's always amusing, super childish, but really funny.
4: Where Where is Jesus? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, to be fair, that's always how I hear Josh talk. So, you know, <laughs> you know, we've said that before. Yeah. You
2: know, the blah, blah, puka shells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So then we flash back to two weeks ago. We see Josh walking into the church and he's like, dope church. <laughs> he's excited about it and uh he is looking for the priest and he thought the one at the door was father rodrigo who he was looking for but no that was just the priest at the door
1: i I have so many thoughts on josh this whole episode here (laughs) and it's all just basically one note of like Boy, they wrote him to be a moron this episode. Like more than they usually do, which is a lot. They usually <laughs> do it a lot, but I feel like they just really went above and beyond this episode of like how many dumb things can we insert into Josh's lines? Like this one episode. Like, I, oh my God, he's like calling him door father. Like it was, a, it was just a mess here. It was exactly what I expected to see as Josh was walking up to this to this
4: church. And. It never fails to make me laugh. All of all of the dumb Josh stuff in this episode cracks me up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like he, he's a he's a doofus in the worst way most of the time. But this episode, he makes me laugh. And yeah, door father number one. What do we think about do- the door father? Do we feel bad that he wasn't actually Father Rodrigo? I feel like he was clearly set up that way at the end of of season two, and now it's like, no, you just get demoted down to the door father. We can't afford to. Hey, you uh <laughs> what the, the the extra scenes that you would have to shoot? We're gonna get someone else in to do the lines.
1: It just made no I su- I don't know, it like didn't it didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like why why is this not Father Rodrigo? Who cares? Like why why are we, why are we put a gatekeeping NPC there? Like what are we
3: doing? <laughs> like just let him get to the right, Father.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah. it Sorry. was a little
3: weird. Uh Although I did at least like I recognize the actor who played Father Rodrigo and I didn't recognize the actor who played the door father. So maybe that was part of it. They got someone that like, oh, this someone that's actually I've seen in other things. Maybe that's why. But I, I have not
1: seen him in any. I don't maybe that's just me, but I, I have no idea what else he's in.
2: I don't know either, um, but Josh tells a priest, like, he feels guilty about things in his life, but priests have no guilt, so he won't have to feel that way anymore when he becomes a priest. Like, where's this coming from? Why does he think that? I like to think it's because that's what Father Bra
1: is telling him. I We were, like, kind of high at the end of Season 2 on Father Bra, or at least, I'll rephrase, I think that's what Josh is perceiving Father Bra to be telling him. I, yeah, that's probably not actually what the yeah.
3: words. Don't throw him the of... under the bus on well, <laughs> yeah. <I'm not>
1: <laughs> this. Uh,
3: well, I'm going to throw him a little bit not under like the what bus. The told him that's not what I'm going to throw him me. a
5: little
1: bit under the bus, but I think it's pro- it's certainly what Josh is perceiving those words to be. Which again, again, my like one note of Josh is just like he's an idiot. Like he doesn't, you know, he has no idea what's going on here.
3: Yeah. He has such little concepts of even just like the religion that he practices. You know, that's, I think that's something that gets me about this. It's like, it's not like he was like someone who was like coming into it and knew nothing about it. Never gone to this church before. And like, yeah, no, he is supposedly a practicing Catholic and his concept of everything is just very off.
2: Is this where we have the Maria reference? I have to admit, I miss that. I don't know <laughs> what they're talking about. Is no one going to explain it to me? Okay, fine. I
1: kind of like it better than when no one is explaining <laughs> it to you.
2: I don't remember what was said. So maybe I do know who this, is, what this is, but I don't remember it.
4: So Josh comes in with the big, like, uh, I'm here to like absolve my guilt and like prove myself as like, and he uses all this like flowery language about how he's going to, you know, uh, be a beacon of divinity and whatnot. And, and the, and Father Rodrigo, um, like turns away and is like, oh my God, we got another Maria here. Um, you know, sound of music uh, referring to someone who's like, n- really does not fit in, in the priesthood, in, in the nunnery, not meant to be in this kind of role. Um, but is, is here trying to to play at something that they're not fitted for.
2: I gotcha. Okay, I know the sound of music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the sound of music, though?
2: Of course. Or, or Oh, okay. And I was actually <laughs> on the stage crew of my high school's production of the sound of music, so. Wow. Oh, wow.
1: Why have we never heard this before? You did stage crew for musicals? And we're just uh, now hearing about this in season three of our musical
2: TV show podcast? <laughs> to be fair, I only did it for like like eighth grade and ninth grade, not for like a long time. Okay. Okay. I love yeah.
1: Sound of Music. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother was big. It was like one of the VHS tapes. She had like taped it while it was on TV. And so it like had the fast forwarding through the commercials on the VHS tape. Yeah, it's stuff. always the best
4: part about like the old VHS tape, like recorded off the TVs. You go back like ten years later, and you've got all of the like dated ads. It's mm-hmm. quality stuff, real real time capsules, <laughs> movies recorded off the TV.
1: Real ancient technology there.
3: I know, right. <laughs>
2: Todd's just sighing. Yeah, so make sure
3: that the microphone cut that sigh.
5: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There we
2: go. <laughs> I did caught it too much. Close there. ASMR the there. Yeah. I think
1: the <laughs> listener just caught something, too. <laughs> My goodness.
2: Uh, so then we already have the second song of the episode, and it's far from the last, but this one is I've Got My Head in the Clouds. This is a Josh song. Uh, Todd, what do you think of this one?
3: Uh <sighs> I'm very torn on this song. Uh, It's really catchy, like super catchy. Like I have had it stuck in my head nonstop since I rewatched the episode. And I love the dancing. Like Vincent Rodriguez dancing throughout this is just amazing. It's like one of the best things about the number is just like the dance breaks and everything throughout all. And it's really clever, which one of the problems I have with that thing is the fact like, okay, this is all in Josh's head. And how is Josh coming with all these clever lines? It doesn't fit. It does not compute. It's like, if it's Rebecca thinking about Josh this way, it would make more sense. But Josh thinking this way, it just doesn't compute. I don't know. I, I think I really dislike most of this storyline for Josh. And so I have a hard time enjoying the song just because it's associated with the storyline. It's like, I think if if it's divorced from that, I think I would enjoy the song a lot more, but just because it's part of this storyline for Josh, I don't particularly care for then it kind of dings the enjoyment of it for me a little bit. I said, it's like a catchy song has some really great lines, but there's just something about it. I just don't connect to the way that I probably would if it was like done in a different uh, plot line or different characters or something. I don't know.
1: Todd, I feel like I don't do this uh, very often with you, particularly about Josh related content, but I loved this song. I actually think this might be one of Josh's best solo songs, if not his best solo song so far. Admittedly, not a very competitive category. Ping I'm po- not going to argue pong- that. <laughs> ping <laughs> Pong Girl, I think, is up there. Ping, right there. ping Pong Girl is certainly up there. Um, But I, I think this is Josh's best song. I, like you said, the choreography is spectacular. I think it's really good. Plus, like, the whole concept of Josh having his head in the clouds is, like, everything I've been saying for so long. Josh has no idea what's going on. And I think, like, the way that it's done here, not only the choreography, but the music itself, it just feels, like, so whimsical. It feels like exactly what is in Josh's head. Um, And I really love that. I think they did such a good job with this song.
2: Yeah, I really like the performance, the singing, the dancing. Um, one of my favorite parts is when he sees the Holy Ghost and it's like just this guy with like a sheet over their head. <laughs> like that's what Josh thinks of. <laughs> yeah, so that's really that's funny. funny. Yeah,
3: that, that that line right there. Is that what you look like? It's what you think I look like. I think that's probably my favorite line in the whole thing.
2: Yeah, so it's good. I wouldn't say it's like up there with my favorites or anything, but it's it's really good.
4: Yeah, like i again, it's like I, I enjoy it. Like I I think for me, if we're if we're ranking the the Josh songs, ping pong Bo- ping pong girl like still pips it for me. But I do really love a lot of what it's done here. Yeah, as we've said, the choreo is is fantastic. Any excuse to have Vincent Rodriguez dance is is a good one, uh as far as I'm concerned. Um and yeah, it's it's clever and fun and light. Um, you yeah, know, there's lots of little little gags and, and jokes in there. You know, the the turn off my shroud line is just perfection um and I love that like there's the little moment as well where he like comes sliding down into like into the pews properly and just like pew and it's like one of those like tiny little beats that like I I don't think I've noticed until this rewatch um but I just I love it it's it's a really light song it's not you know it's certainly not a five pretzels song but it's 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 good I don't have any like strong like problems with it just feels like maybe it could have gone a little harder in in some ways or respects to try to like push it more into into sort of the parody that it was trying to be obviously sort of the homage to sing in the rain type energy um it just feels like it kind of like there's something missing from it that makes it like a, a top tier song but i don't know what it is and that i think that's what i have a trouble with in this particular with this particular song it's like it feels like it could be better. But I don't know what the notes would be that I would give it of of where to, like, punch it up to really, like, land it.
2: And then after the song, uh, Josh is still talking to Father Rodrigo, saying he's ready to be a priest. And the father asks him how long he's been thinking about this. And Josh is like, oh, I thought about it the whole drive up from Malibu today. (laughs) Like, Josh thinks that's a long time.
3: Oh, with that goldfish memory of his, it probably is a long time. So,
2: and the priest says, "You know, this is a big commitment." He starts explaining, like, "You need a master's degree in divinity. Like, this is gonna take years and years." And if you're just here to avoid responsibility, you can go home. But Josh says, "No, I'm just here to go to priest school." And the father says, "Preschool?" And Josh says, "No, priest school." <laughs>
4: The origin of the bit. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: bit will return many times throughout the rest of the, the series. Um, the thought of Josh going and getting his Masters of Divinity just made me laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> As someone who knows multiple people who have gotten their Masters of Divinity and know the work lesson they had to take, it just made me laugh and laugh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I actually think it's more likely that Josh goes to preschool than preschool.
4: Like <laughs> it's,
1: it's an easy bit. Like, it's an I easy joke to make. I knew you were going to make. make that joke. It's, it's just so <laughs> low-hanging fruit, but, like, it's just, it's right there. I had to do it.
4: Yeah. And, like, to be fair, like, even right from the start, Father Rodrigo, like, treats Josh with kid gloves <laughs> in every way. It's just like, yeah, really not the right space here, but sure. We'll see how long you survive this. Um uh, Yeah, Uh. I loved his initial reaction of just like, Mm. if if you're just
1: doing this to like get away from something like go home. I thought that was like a reaction that I wasn't necessarily expecting them to, to go with in the priest year ultimately, it doesn't like mean anything and nothing happens based on those like you know his thoughts there. but I thought it was like an interesting line to like deliver there to us of like the person he's going to being like, hey, if you' don't he pegged it it seemed like he pegged it right away. It was like just so obvious that Josh was here for not reasons than becoming a priest. He was just like, go home uh, i I like that.
4: Yeah. And I think it's 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 a it's a nice little beat at the start of the episode to to really establish what what feels like the theme of the episode for me. And it's all about, you know, people trying to be someone that they're not, trying to uh you know push this idea of who they want to be or who they think they should be, um, and you know, ultimately that being a bad thing in pretty much every every, every respect, and to have it sort of very explicitly stated here from the priest, being like, this is not the right reason for, for being here, you know. But, you know, sure, if you really want to try we'll we'll see how you go. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, all that kind of stuff. But, like, very clearly up front, this is not the reason you should be doing this. But you know, Josh has his head in the clouds. <laughs> He's not going to listen to reason.
2: And then we go back to Paula and Rebecca. Paula is excited about the 600 to $800 fine Josh might get in many months from now. <laughs> and... <laughs> the- I love the
3: lead up to that, you know, like just like the lead up of all this stuff that's going to happen. And then in this incredibly long amount of time, he's going to get this incredibly small fine. And it's just like, oh, so that is what the master plan is going to do. The master plan, the way it's going to hurt him is that, which, I mean, for Josh is still probably not like a insignificant amount of money. But still, in the grand scheme of things, the amount of time it's going to take. And of course, to Rebecca, it's like, what's that cost? Like a pair of shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Blue scale, blue
5: scale.
2: <laughs> yeah and obviously this doesn't sound very satisfying and that is what rebecca expresses like she's clearly unsure about this this isn't satisfying to her she says it's like when you eat a bunch of ice ginger snaps and there's still a hole inside of you so you start shoplifting and you get back to your dorm and you're surrounded by all the stuff like the unitards and <laughs> And the throw pillows or whatever, and the hole's still there. And Paula says, "Oh, that's why you have so many unitards."
3: Yep. And then Paula uh, shares her shoplifting things of choice, which like, lipstick and sambuca, I believe.
1: Well, so, uh, everyone goes through a shoplifting phase. It's just, yeah, it all depends on like what you're <laughs> actually
4: taking.
5: Yeah.
4: Are you are you more of a ginger snaps and unitards or lipsticks and sambuca person, Adam? It just depends on the day. Like, you know.
2: Well, Adam was saying that he has shoplifted. That's what I heard there. So what were you shoplifting?
1: Just so I'm clear, are you telling me not everyone goes through a shoplifting phase?
3: I am telling you I not am- everyone
2: goes through shoplifting Okay, a shop- yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Who
3: would go through a shoplifting
0: phase?
1: Adam, tell us. No one,
0: truth.
1: Libby, no one would just shoplift. <laughs> I don't know I'm- why you... are you assuming that i shoplifted you
2: said it you said everyone does obviously not everyone because todd and i definitely haven't i don't know about austin nope he hasn't me (laughs) neither you said everyone does which included you so tell us
1: clearly not everyone does i mean gosh sometimes it's just like you forget to scan some stuff as they get put into the bag uh, you know, it just occasionally potentially happens to other people, like some friends I know.
2: <laughs> You're always like talking about these vague stories <laughs> about your life. You never give us the details. It's very unsatisfying. Cause
1: cause it's illegal,
3: <laughs>
2: Think about this.
3: Really <laughs> this is a public
5: forum. <laughs>
3: I'm sure the statute of limitations is has run out.
2: Mm.
3: Yes. <laughs> yes, it has. You're saying
2: it has, but you've of admitted. You
3: <laughs> Assuming the statute of
2: limitations it was a is
3: perfect not that not <laughs> I was trying to help you, man. All right. I mean, I can't lie on the podcast. <laughs> That's where I draw
0: the line. That's where I draw the line. Lie <laughs> right on the there, podcast. Not an action that
5: do. <laughs>
2: Oh, anyway, speaking of lying. Speaking of lying, um, Rebecca, you know, hasn't told Paula about the whole cupcake situation, but she is admitting that she wants to do something more brutal than this, than the suing. Like, but Paula says, no, like, we have the high ground. This plan is legit and you won't get in trouble.
3: Okay, everyone. I I love that a, uh, I just... With what Austin said. Uh, no, um, I love that Paul just said, We actually have the high ground. Like, we never have the high ground, which is pretty true. In <laughs> everything that they've done, they have typically not been the ones with the high ground. And for once, Paul has found a way to, to accomplish something that they're actually going to be able to do it legally and not have any horrible fallout. And she's like super jazzed about it because it's her new passion being able to help her do this thing. And I completely understand that, but I also understand Rebecca's dissatisfaction with it because it is, I think the other thing that she says, she's talking about something more brilliant, but she also wants something more immediate. It's like having to wait like over a year for this to play out is not going to help her right now. Like she is wanting some sort of resolution immediately. She's been dealing with these emotions and this long, slow slog of a lawsuit is just going to prolong what she's dealing with. And it's just going to make it Worse in the long run, I think, just because she's having to like have that delayed gratification. Yeah, revenge is a dish best served cold and all, but it's not even that much revenge. So I understand why she's feeling like dissatisfied by this, even beyond like wanting to be bad, but just like, no, this is just going to take so long for so little return. I can, I can understand that.
4: Yeah. I can definitely see both sides of it here. Like, I, I, you know, this is, this is Paula in, in, protective mode of, you know, ultimately, you know, she's, she's obviously following what she's excited about what she's interested in, you know, her, her excitement over getting to use all of her, her law skills, but it's also about protecting Rebecca. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, very active work that Paul is doing to try to look after Rebecca in all of this and make sure that she's well taken care of in the blowback of this, um, this whole event and we kind of even saw it in the lead up to the wedding that she's very cautious and like very protective and trying to make sure rebecca's doing okay so it makes sense that she's wanting to do something here that is not going to blow back on rebecca whereas rebecca is just wanting to you know throw caution to the wind because all she's wanting is to try to fill that hole um (laughs) and yeah it's it's tough it's a really tough situation but obviously Yeah, it goes really off the rails real quick when uh, Rebecca wants a bad thing.
2: It really does. And now we see Nathaniel for the first time this episode. He's in his office and he is talking out loud. He's saying he can't believe that he showed up to Rebecca's house with a stupid excuse, visibly aroused in his running shorts. (laughs) This was in the last episode and it was really funny. Um, but he's really mad at himself. He says Rebecca has gotten to him. He falls for every stupid thing that she does. And then we see that he is talking not to a person, but to a photo of himself on the wall, uh, his water polo picture.
3: (laughs) Which he refers to as the most important person in his life, I believe, or something to that effect, whenever he, you know, is talking to it. Uh, I do like whenever he's talking about Rebecca as that, he says that she's now all hot and tough with butting triceps. Why is she doing like tricep dips now?
4: <laughs> blah
3: blah. I'm confident. <laughs> in that. I'm blah, now I'm all hot and tough with butting triceps.
2: I she also does love- mention later that she, does she does is up. doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah does, It does Her come I yeah. want to make sure
3: make it here because it's
1: I I also love the implication of Nathaniel in this scene where the place that he's, like, reminiscing about the previous night is not, like, at home after he goes away from Rebecca's house. It's, like, at work the next day. Like, that's when he's talking to himself about Rebecca. There's, like, getting himself all hyped up for the next meeting. Uh, Yeah, uh, Nathaniel's very interesting in this episode.
4: Yeah. And again, like he's trying to be someone that he's not. He's clearly in this state of kind of having a little bit of a softened edge with everything with Rebecca, even if it's just that sort of impulsive fascination with her. But like, he's trying to aspire to be that water polo guy, that like hard edged, you know, waspy businessman of just like, this is who I am. I am intense. I am going to run from lions Uh, again. Like he's trying to recapture that, tougher equality, quality which is obviously what sort of helps to transpire as to just how far down the line he's willing to go to try to re-embrace the toxic masculinity that gives him a sense of, of a safety net
2: yep he says the old nathaniel is coming back and we will certainly see that in this episode um then we go elsewhere in the office to the kitchen uh tim is bringing in some avocados there and Maya's reading a magazine, and Tim kind of is a bit condescending about it. He's like, "Oh, are you reading about how to get a peach shaped booty?" And Maya <laughs> has the greatest responses. She's like, "I don't purchase periodicals that participate in body shaming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> saying like young women's periodicals are actually doing some of the most like honest and necessary reporting right now.
1: Like <laughs> Get it, Maya. Yes
2: absolutely and that's when she points out to Tim um, in the one she's reading that there's this study about the orgasm gap she says it says women orgasm 39% of the time while men finish 91% of the time and Tim just totally laughs that off he's like I'm a king in the boudoir <laughs> my wife orgasms every time
5: <laughs> oof <laughs>
4: I mean ups to the quick math on adding
1: 39 and 91. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, was like that's 140%. I don't think that that's
4: not right. Check your
1: math. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs>
5: but,
4: yeah. Uh, but aside from that, big oofs from Tim the whole way around on this. Oh jeez this is potentially my favorite B
1: plot of any episode that we have ever
3: seen <laughs> it's a pretty crazy really? plot
1: I love this and it'll pay off so much more a little bit later in the episode but like even just the setup to this as we get like further into this kitchen scene Maya's confidence here is just spectacular and her facial reactions as tim is talking about this she's just like trying to keep it together she, I've, I've like been in this position before as like you know this younger person the officer just like oh you have have no idea what you're talking about, but I have to like keep my reactions together so as to not like totally fly off the handle here. maya's facial reactions are just perfect, and this whole scene is just chef's kiss brilliant. Especially when like Paula gets
2: involved with it, it's just so funny. Yeah, Paula so,
3: my favorite part of the scene.
2: Paula has been in the kitchen this entire time, but kind of just turn- has her back turned, like making coffee or something. And after Tim says that his wife orgasms every single time, she turns around and she's like, Tim, you have never given your wife an orgasm ever. Not even once.
0: <laughs> it's just it's so casually.
1: Like, it's, nothing, it's just like she's talking about like it's going to rain later today. Like it was just such a casual comment. Like, Tim, you've never made your wife orgasm a single time. <laughs> it just walks away. Oh, it's so good.
4: It's such a great setup again for like how this this plot and ultimately resolves <laughs> at the end. So good.
2: Yes, every time I watch this, I'm like, oh, I think I feel like Apollo, that's like pretty harsh. I don't know if you should have said that. <laughs> and then when we get to the end, it's even funnier. Um, but yes, Tim is very taken aback by this. It's clearly uh, disturbing news to him and we see he is very distracted now um he's in nathaniel's office with rebecca they're about to have a meeting he is just totally out of it can only think about the information he has just learned um and nathaniel walks in the office and he just calls them losers like that is a thing nathaniel would be known for um But he has lost the upper hand with Rebecca, you know, in the last episode. But now he's trying to get it back. And he's talking about this mom and pop Korean barbecue place downtown. They need to get it demolished so that their client can, like, build something there. And Nathaniel is willing to go to any length to make this happen.
4: Even hire George back.
2: Yes, he hired George back so he could get dirt on Wan, who is the man who owns the restaurant it's like you couldn't get anyone else in the office to do that you had to hire george for it i
1: was gonna say i love george being a limbo but there's like tons of people in this office all the time that we have just never met i love that implication
5: yeah
3: well, i i guess nathaniel feels like he has power over george so he may not have over other people so maybe he's like you know he's feeling powerless rebecca like i know i can make george grovel for me and uh, Maybe that's part of it. But also Rebecca remembered George's name. Remember George walked in and Drick's like, George, what are you doing back? I'm like, woo, Rebecca thought they remembered his name after he trapped her in the elevator for an evening, but still. Again, effective means. <laughs> made,
4: made an impression. Ooh.
2: And uh, Nathaniel is walking out talking about how like his neighbor's dog like is really loud. So he's gonna get the dog's vocal cords removed. And it's just a horrible thing that he says and george says wow he's awful and rebecca's like yeah oh terrible awful he's bad <laughs> but in a way where she's clearly into it
4: it's so funny uh... <laughs> i think
2: horrifying. you just like
1: see yeah you like see it playing out in front of you're just like oh boy <laughs> oh, no. here's this rebecca is like this is what's happening okay <laughs>
2: So then, Rebecca shows up to Nathaniel's apartment, and she is dressed in like this trench coat thing, short trench coat thing. Um, she comes in and says she wants his hard throbbing ruthlessness, and she wants it bad.
4: It's visceral. <laughs> that is a, uh, a, a visceral grating.
2: I love that line. It's so, it's so funny.
5: So <laughs>
3: Uh, she describes him as an evil genius a monster a dead-eyed fiend an amoral
4: sociopath of no conscience oh it's so yeah. good
2: and <laughs> nathaniel is like who talks like that and this is exactly <laughs> like you know in season two and he was like you talk like an old-timey something <laughs>
5: <The detective, yeah. laughs> detective,
2: yeah. um and she's like shut up i need you because you're the worst person i've ever met which is, and Nathaniel's response just reinforces that. He's like, well, clearly you didn't summer in the Hamptons. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, also, he describes her as having the heart of a weak, dying kitten. Which is also very... It's important.
0: all really
4: bad. Just, it's <laughs> all just really... <laughs> it's, all, it's all horrendous, but it is so well like scripted and written like the repartee is so good so quick-witted and i think that's one of the things that i find really fascinating about rebecca and nathaniel as this like pair of characters is that there is so much similarity in the way that they interact and like banter especially compared to um josh who can he probably doesn't even know what banter means um and greg who's more sort of like he, he like carries banter, but he's a bit more sort of dismissive in the way that he sort of throws it around. Whereas there is this like, uh, you know, combat almost between the way that Nathaniel and, and Rebecca engage, um, which I think is really interesting and fascinating. Absolutely.
5: Well, and to that
1: end, like I, one of the things that we didn't see with Rebecca and Josh or with Rebecca and Greg was like sort of a constant change of power dynamic. Mm. And in not even that many episodes with Nathaniel, we've already seen it flip flop a couple times now and so even like here you know where is that attraction coming from who has control like how is this train going to spin off the tracks and how bad is the catastrophe going to be like all of that sort of like gets happening here quickly
4: and also because both of them are trying to again be someone that they're not they're both sort of trying to sort of push at the edges like nathaniel's trying to downplay his like legit sort of fascination with with, with rebecca and it's trying to be a bit harder and colder uh in an effort to try to squash that down rebecca's trying to amp up this uh you know ruthlessness because she's wanting that immediacy of being able to get revenge on josh so it's this like they're also playing at who they are which is adding to this dumpster fire of a <laughs> of a you know of a train crash there's an analogy somewhere in there. It's all kind of, <laughs> it's all kind of a mess, like this whole of uh, a relationship.
2: Yeah. Well, at first Nathaniel tells her to get out, like he doesn't want to be part of her drama. But she starts explaining, like I, I need evil schemes. I'm trying to come up with them, but mine are all childish. Like I need your help. And she basically seduces him and is like, I know you want me. I've been making you wait for it, but not anymore. And that is when we get the next song of this episode, Strip Away My Conscience. Adam, what do you think of this one?
1: Lindy, I love this song so much. Uh like the the Chicago, all that jazz vibes here, the choreography is just really like the way that it is executed there in that scene is just incredible like her throwing Nathaniel back on the bed the use of like the the backup dancers there the song itself was really good the whole vibe was just incredible uh this, this is such a this is such a good song top tier song of the whole season here I think
3: yeah the, the Bob Fosse vibes are so mm-hmm. strong you mentioned mm-hmm. Chicago it's also like a real big sweet charity mm-hmm. yeah, as well you know the choreographed choreography is like flat up just bob fossey to a t and it's just amazing and the even beyond that like the lyrics are great there's one point like innuendo just (laughs) cracks me up every time no i love this song and also one of my favorite bits of it though is at one point she uh refers to him as uh, professor snape and he like points his finger on him. And I was like, "Yeah." So I love like the callback to their Harry Potter conversation before. I just love that little bit of like a callback to the stuff that they already know about each other, and him just like acknowledging, "Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you did there." I love this. like a really brief moment in the song, but I really love that.
4: It's yeah, it's so well done, and like like you guys, like I love. Like I love fussy choreography in, in, in any circumstance. And they do such a good job of of evoking that feel and energy, using the the backup dancers to uh you know not only, you know, add to the, the tone and feel, but also like add to the humor of, of the whole thing. Like you said, with like the innuendo or or my favorite like uh <laughs> bit is is where uh Rebecca's like, uh, you know, it's like we're gonna slither like a moray, and they all like are like, eel. It just is one of those like really dumb little things that just warms my heart (laughs) in terms of this like landing is a perfect song um it's so good and yeah the the lyricism is so clever um you know the with its with its innuendos and and jokes it is so funny and so well done
2: yeah i agree with all of you it's an excellent song choreography the lyrics just the whole thing i also love nathaniel's face throughout it (laughs) he's just like He's just experiencing all of this, like it's really funny. So, it's a great song. And then, when it ends, Rebecca says, If you help me destroy Josh Chan, I will let you do anything you want to me.
3: Yes, that, that thing you just thought of, I'll let you do that to me.
4: <laughs>
2: Yikes! <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah.
4: filled with evil instead of water, indeed. <laughs>
2: then we switch gears a bit back to josh um white josh and hector are visiting him and he is telling them about what it will take to become a priest you know the four to six years all of the other stuff on top of that and the way he's talking about it white josh is just like wow you hate this
3: <laughs> i love that line read too just like
2: Yeah. And Hector also says, like, this is ridiculous. Come home. And they're there because no one has heard from him since he bailed on the wedding. Like, it's been two weeks and none of his friends have even heard from him. And that's when White Josh says, yeah, you just father, son and Holy Ghosted your entire life. And he is so proud of that joke.
5: Yeah,
3: that's my favorite bit about that. He's like so proud, I and mean, then Hector also, and they're both like laughing and like you know, you know, fist bumping over how great a line it was. I, I kind of love it on shows like that whenever people like make, make jokes and then they acknowledge that they made a joke and they're happy about making the joke. You know, and it always kind of uh, amuses me to have people like, yeah, yeah. I'm not really in a sitcom, and most people, most time people make a joke and they want to get a reaction. You know, so I always kind of appreciate whenever they like they they break the the TV character mold there a little bit and actually acknowledge the fact that they made a joke. It kind of cracked
1: me up. It felt like it's one of those good. lines that you were like, you, you thought of a couple of days ago when you were like going mm-hmm. to go meet Josh <laughs> yeah. there and you're just like, I'm going to use it. Uh, it's
5: going <laughs> <gonna> to come up. <laughs> like, I'm going to put it in there.
4: <laughs> and to be fair, it's a quality Yeah, pot. it's a good one. It is a good one. Worth the lampshading.
2: And then Hector asks Josh what Rebecca said when he talked to her. And Josh is like, oh, uh. and they're like, wait a second. You haven't talked to her? Um, but Josh says he's had an apology email in his draft, in his drafts for weeks.
5: Damn it, this Josh. is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: bad. There are times in this
1: podcast where we've been like, yeah, hey, Rebecca, you probably shouldn't mail your poop to Josh. <laughs> and then there are times when it's like, I kind of get it. Like I wouldn't do it, but I get it. Like I understand. You
4: understand the sentiment. Like I
1: get. You're telling me he said a, a, an email. When's the last time you think Josh sent an email to someone? Like, I, oh my god, Josh.
2: Just terrible. It's really bad, and. Hector and White Josh both think this is terrible and White Josh says you have to have a face-to-face conversation with her. Hector says are you really going to become a priest because you don't want to have an awkward conversation? And Josh says no, I- it's because I'm a good person and I thrive in an academic setting. <laughs> <Which is> when- <laughs> That's my <laughs> no, no, no. reaction. Which is <laughs> White Josh comes in and says Josh <laughs> <laughs> This is the way he says, Josh, like, yeah. it's like dot, like, dot, on. dot. Like, come on.
3: Just, yeah. Like, are come, you, you know, yeah. seriously? seriously, man, come on. Yeah. We've it's known an, y'all your life.
2: Come on. It's an excellent <laughs> delivery of the line. <laughs> it's so
3: good. Oh, yeah, that line that kills me every time. You don't like, see Josh in
1: Academia, uh ton. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> to believe. I don't
3: <laughs> believe. Uh, thriving in an academic setting and the fact that he says it with a straight face is the best part of it you know like he's like he's indignant that they're questioning this because obviously obviously josh is someone who thrives in an academic setting like he everyone should know this about him you know i'm just like wow denial well uh, uh, he said earlier denial is just a river in egypt but i
2: don't know i think it's something else
3: might be a couple
2: he is not willing to admit that this is not what he wants and he's saying he likes it a lot and he thinks he's gonna major in christmas
1: it's lines like oh. that where it's just like what are we doing like it's, yeah. it's not it's not funny like that i think that's my biggest problem with it it's not like he's making a dumb line or like i'm laughing as a result of it he's like saying i'm gonna major in christmas i'm just like you're you're an idiot (laughs) like what do you mean you're gonna major in christmas who told you that anything like that was going to happen
3: oh he's just such a he's a moron yeah it's one of the things i i've been thinking about a bit recently because like in a lot of like sitcoms i really like like often i enjoy like the more dim bulb characters like there's a a lot of times some of my my favorite characters one that i i find entertaining but with josh it just infuriates me more often than not. I don't know if it's because he's being a uh, put as the romantic lead and so I have to like give more weight to him there than that or just because I feel like it's very inconsistent the writing of like, how dumb he is it's like this roller coaster of he's as dumb as they need him to be in the moment. I don't know but it's something I've been thinking about recently just trying to figure out why it is that his dumb moments irritate me instead of amuse me more often than not. I'm still not quite sure what it is
4: yeah i think i see like i see where it is like i because i like i enjoy josh's dumbness i think more than than uh, perhaps the the two of you do um like the like jokes like this like land for me well um but I, i agree like he's very inconsistently written in terms of what degree of idiocy he carries um, even you know going back to like earlier seasons where we see sort of flashes of his like emotional intelligence also like emotional instinct um even if he doesn't necessarily then translate it well that maybe helps to cover up some of his other you know more uh academic <laughs> sort of struggles um but uh like i agree it's like it's a it's a tricky one here um with just how, how out of how much of a fish out of water he is, um, but it works for me. I think it, I think it works for me as really emphasizing just how far uh, Josh is willing to to run and push himself out of his space to try to escape whatever he's ended up in. He is so clearly out of his depth and so clearly, you know, not listening to to anyone who is trying to pull him back. Not not the priest, not White Josh, or, or Hector. He's just yeah, going as far as he can to try to escape and, and assuage that guilt to fill that hole that he's feeling.
1: I think I agree with the gist of what you're saying, Austin. I think my problem with this scene in particular, I guess, is that like 30 seconds ago from the stupid Christmas line, he says to to White Josh and Hector, what am I supposed to do? Tell her that like we didn't know each other for long enough and I can't marry someone who I feel like I didn't know? like he makes a, an yeah. actually emotionally intelligent kind of comment about it even though he's not going to act on it whatever he's not going to do anything about it but he like still makes the comment he goes through the thought process and then like 10 seconds later he's majoring in
4: christmas but i, I think that <laughs> but i think that's but i think that's josh right like he he's someone who like much like most of the characters in this show there's always like Uh, a kernel of someone who is like a reasonable or clever or smart person like their, their, their good attributes are there, but they're so covered by all of these other things that this show is all about growth and all about change and all about figuring out what your barriers are to becoming the person you want to be and ultimately finding happiness. You know, that's ultimately what this show is sort of guiding at. And I think what, what they're sort of pushing at here is that the Josh does have some like some good emotional instincts, but he just doesn't have the emotional maturity to be able to act on it. And that emphasis that sort of emphasized further by his sort of general idiocy. Like I agree. It's not, it's not, it's not perfect. Works for me um better than I think it works for you. But uh yeah. 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 I can certainly see where you're coming from.
2: Speaking of idiocy, uh then we see <laughs> Tim. <laughs>
4: perfection
2: (laughs) um basically maya and mrs hernandez are kind of explaining and instructing him about female pleasure but tim is not really um listening he thinks he knows everything he's even describing kind of his method um and they are like obviously not impressed (laughs)
1: God, I was so close to, like, introing us that way of, like, in and in, up, up, up. I feel like it was so close. to do- I cannot overstate how much I love this scene and this plot line. It's just so well done. And, like, to hear Mrs. Hernandez speak, to me, is still a little bit jarring from time to time. And then, like, to have her line have to do with, like, the amount of nerve endings in a penis is so funny. <laughs> like, that's what she's talking about here in the show oh my god, I'm obsessed with this whole plot line. It's so so
2: good. Tim is trying to say, like, my wife is very happy. You know, every time afterwards she pops up and goes to the bathroom and brushes her teeth, you know. (laughs) They're like, brushes her teeth? (laughs) He's like, yeah, I can hear the buzzing sound of her electric toothbrush, you know. Then starts describing how um, it makes her feel. And Maya's like, wow, that's quite a toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Hernandez says, that sounds like a vibrator. And Tim is like, oh my gosh.
4: <laughs> it's so great. This whole scene, like, it's so great. And like what what I love about it as well is is just Maya's like You know directness about it all um but then also sort of smirking under her breath as uh as tim doesn't get it while her mrs hernandez is just like nope to the point (laughs) that's what this is but i love as well like and, and cxg does this a lot but like it just like here Here's some like straight up sex education for all, all of you watching. <laughs> like, and this is this is the this is these are the facts. Here we go. We're just dropping them in, in this like very casual way, but filling it around with a with a lot of humor and <laughs> and a really ridiculous B plot here. It's so funny. Both my and Mrs. Janet's face when Tim
1: is just like, Yeah, would you assume the my favorite position on top, going a mile a minute? And it's just like their facial reactions is so funny. Oh, I is it's just so good.
2: And then we see Elsa in the office, Rebecca's asking George where Nathaniel is, and he doesn't know, but he's like, I have to go plant dead rats in Chewan's kitchen. Oh, oh, that's not good. That's not good.
4: Well, while he is out describing paintings to the blind... <laughs> <laughs> And I, I love I love this beat as well, because it comes up the first time Shay mentioned of like George and Rebecca being like, oh,
5: isn't he sweet?
4: <laughs> Let's do terrible things. To
2: him. He's like the greatest person ever, according to everything we know about him. And Nathaniel wants to destroy the restaurant and is making George plant dead rats there because they can't find any actual bad things about it. It's really sad. Um and for Rebecca is saying, like, Nathaniel hasn't gotten back to her about her proposal. Um, But that is when a man comes in and delivers a fancy box to Rebecca. And there's a note inside that says, proposal accepted. Meet me tomorrow night on the noof. And then Rebecca realizes, oh, wait, it says roof.
3: (laughs) Calligraphy is confusing. confusing.
2: (laughs) I thought that was so funny. (laughs)
3: Uh, so whenever Rebecca is like, he hasn't accepted the proposal. And it, it was a good proposal. It was like a real good proposal. Like it was like a pillion proposal. Like it's been doing tricep dips. So that's what she's <laughs> I mean, been doing. Tricep dips. The proposal has been doing tricep dips.
2: Yeah, and I love. There's an outfit in the box as well. Um, it's a very sexy outfit, and I love Rebecca's delight at every turn. <laughs> she picks up everything in the box, and she is just so utterly. Delighted, excited about this. Um, and it, like it's a sexy outfit, and she's kind of talking about that. And Tim walks by and he's upset. He's like, Why is everyone in the office always talking about sex?
3: And Karen's not even around anymore. So yeah.
2: but also like for- fair point. Like, if this were a real <laughs> workplace, that's not great. She's
4: she's literally unpacking this box of lingerie in the middle of the open floor
3: <laughs> and like ooing and eyeing over it. Oh jeez! Oh. Can can you imagine the Tim plotline if Karen had still been in the oh,
5: office? Boy. Oh, oh God, bring in Angelique! Lord. That would just be—that <laughs> would be so brilliant.
2: <laughs> oh, I miss—I miss her even more now. Um, and then we cut right to Rebecca arriving on the roof. Um, actually, the roof, and. <laughs> it's funny because i immediately noticed like oh she's not wearing the dress that was in the box she's wearing like this great dress but it's not the same one (laughs) and um she walks up to nathaniel and he's about to compliment it but he's like wait a second where's the dress that i brought you (laughs) and rebecca says i donated that to the west Covina middle school drama department because only a 13 year old girl could fit into it (laughs) (laughs) she says don't even get me started (laughs) on the lingerie (laughs) The bra was like two delicate tissues held together with floss. And the panties sliced my muffin top into a hamburger bun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just like, oh, I'm in this nice dress.
1: Nathaniel's in, in this really nice suit. And her line delivery of this was just so funny. And she and means, then, like, okay, sorry, I'll be sexy now. Like, <laughs> right.
3: I was like, okay, sorry. It, it, it gets back to Kind of, it happened, like, last episode, too. Like, she's, like, playing on the act, and then she's, like, real Rebecca shines through, and then she's, like, okay, okay, sorry, sorry, I'll go back. Yeah, back yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, we like, like, Rebecca last time. Mm-hmm. This time it's sexy Rebecca. So I always mm-hmm. love that, like, saying, like, the real Rebecca poke through. She can't keep the facade up for too long before real Rebecca has to rear her head.
2: And uh, she asks why Nathaniel changed his mind about the proposal, and he says oh this is just sex it's just a transaction to me but like obviously you can tell by his face that it's not (laughs) but that's what he's so obviously
3: lying so obviously lying
2: um and then a helicopter arrives (laughs) and this is amazing because there's like a table with like champagne on it and the helicopter is trying to land and it's so windy everything's getting knocked over they have to like duck and they're like just land um but they're trying to pretend like this is sexy it's a helicopter
4: (laughs) it's such a dumb gag but it it gets me like i think that's what this episode as a whole is it's like there's just so many dumb little things that just they just land for me for one reason or another and this is just perfection
1: (laughs) this one felt so out of place to me like the first time watching like the helicopter goes down i was like where are they going like are we going like to another state like are we going across the country no, it's just to their little local jazz size, whatever. <laughs> like sorry, it's spinlattis. Oh yeah, so- sorry, sorry, no, sorry. That's my band. Yeah, my band, my band. I it loved right, it. Dude.
2: I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I did not mind it at all. Like I think the point is like yeah they don't need a helicopter but nathaniel's super rich like why wouldn't he go all out for this but like it's the same thing as like dropping you know the whole sexy vibe to talk about how the lingerie was ridiculous and then going right back to the sexy vibe it's like the helicopter coming in everything's super windy but like oh this is so sexy
3: (laughs) (laughs) my favorite part is my favorite part is just "Just land already
2: just
5: land (laughs)
3: But yeah, you're right. It's like it's very out of place,
4: but this is a very like scattered all over the place episode. Uh and it feels like by design. It feels like by design to me. Like it's intended to be very like false because everyone is trying to be false in this episode.
2: Speaking of being false, they arrive at a masquerade party. <laughs> um and they're kind of in this entryway part before they see anyone else this guy walks up with a box which has like two masks for them um and rebecca is so excited he's like oh i didn't mention it was masquerade she's like no you didn't mention that i would have remembered if you had mentioned that
3: i love this moment so much because we again we had seen like like the little burst of rebecca shining through but this like excited rebecca like like that her line reading like no you didn't mention that i just love it so much she kind of shoves him and she's like so giddy and everything it's just it's such a great moment he's like kind of like all right right, come on calm down calm down calm down (laughs) She has every reason to be Getty,
1: too. I've never been to a masquerade party, but I would love to. I feel like the I, the concept is very alluring. I love that idea of the mask. You don't even know who you're talking to.
4: Okay, Adam. So so what, what animal mask would you wear to a terrible person masquerade at a Spinlotti's gym?
1: <laughs> okay, so lo- this is full context. <laughs> is a terrible person's party I'm attending. We'll sort out that... Uh, situation uh later off the podcast uh and i'm picking an animal okay
4: do you no know animal. animal do you know an animal yeah i was gonna say it
1: could be <laughs> any. i wouldn't even know
2: lions, i mean, do not know the difference bears. between yeah. lions and tigers mm-hmm. so i don't not know if this good rebecca,
4: yeah rebecca had a great lion mask to be fair i um. feel
2: like i would want something very <laughs> like
1: I, I would want something that sort of like pops I would want like a cheetah type situation I would want like a like a you know something with like a, a a print like a peacock mask is that a thing like could I have a peacock mask sure yeah that's what I think that's where I'm going what about you Austin what are you wearing to the terrible person party at the Spin Ladies gym
4: I think I'm wearing a wallaby mask, which means you would have no idea that I'm even there because you I have even no know. clue.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, you know, nice mask. Uh, was that a bear? I'd be <laughs> no clue.
2: Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, there's this movie. It's like a Cinderella story with Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray. You know what I'm talking about. I know of it. <laughs> okay, I watched that when I was younger a, a few times and I really liked it and but it always bugged me cuz there's a masquerade party in that movie and like they go to school together and Hillary Duff's character is like wearing a simple mask at the masquerade party and like the guy like does not recognize her, like has no idea who she is. And it's like, dude, like every other part of her is the same and you can't tell who it is because she's got a simple mask on her face like come on
1: i think there's like an assumed level of buy-in when you're going to a masquerade party that you're like just focusing on the head and the mask area like i don't think you're trying to like puzzle together who you're talking to you have to just like be swept up in the moment lindy you just have to be willing to go with it
2: all right, you watch this movie and tell me if it's reasonable.
1: <laughs> Lindy is telling other people to watch movies.
5: Yes.
3: What? What bizarre world are we in right now? Oh my God. She See, heard the sound of music. Often. She's like telling us to watch
2: movies. <laughs> Um back to the masquerade party here um they walk in it's a very cool party and Nathaniel says four people in this room have the ability to ruin Josh Chan's life forever <laughs> it's like a very big statement there
4: but then there's one who can just make it super annoying. So yeah. we'll skip him.
2: <laughs> God,
4: I wanted more
1: than anything to find out what that one would have done. That would have just... Oh, man.
2: That probably would have been a great plan, That probably would have been the like. perfect yeah. option. That, that,
4: that probably would have been the person who could have, like, uh you know, destroyed Josh's Xbox or whatever. So he couldn't play video games. Made it so he only like... had left shoes. Yeah, like yeah. it could have <laughs>
1: just been like one like mildly annoying. Yeah, I would have loved to know what that was.
2: And then we see Josh, he is trying to study, but he doesn't understand it and it doesn't interest him. So one would think, why are you doing this?
3: <laughs> but he thrives Apparently, in an oh. academic setting. Yeah. Apparently he's doing it so he can look cool because that's as he prays to God a uh to just like can we just like skip past all of this learning stuff so I can just be a priest and look cool? It's like Ugh.
2: Ugh I yeah, and then he admits that he feels like he's faking this. Like this isn't satisfying.
5: Yeah,
3: I wonder why the he feels think. like he's faking it. I wonder <laughs> why that could be.
4: Huh? Huh? Such a mystery.
2: <laughs> um, and then <laughs> we cut to speaking
4: of faking it.
2: Speaking of <laughs> faking. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah yeah that is the theme here because we see like echoes of what paula and maya and mrs hernandez have said to tim um and then we get the next song of this episode already the fourth one we're talking about and not even the last this one is the buzzing from the bathroom uh austin what do you think of this one
4: oh this is this is so good uh <laughs> this is so good the the full degree of everything of just being like a straight up like straight parody of empty chairs at empty tables like i think it's the only like beat for beat parody in the show like where it's like the actual song like it's very like explicitly this song is what we're parodying it's not like it's not even down to like the tone like something like cold showers which is obviously a very specific song but it's a distinct melody and tone this one feels like even just the phrasing of it is like directly empty chairs and it's so good it's so dumb (laughs) but it's so funny and it's sold by the fact that tim has a really lovely voice (laughs) through, through this like ridiculous song um again so clever with the lyrics um it's it's fantastic
1: he crushes it. I mean, his voice just absolutely nails the song, um, and so obviously, I'm a huge fan. Anything lame is is gonna get me, of course, like that's a given. But like the way they do this is just so freaking good. Um, and I, the one thing I will say, we have talked about before how they sometimes do parodies of songs versus song styles, and I think generally speaking, we have been much more uh, in favor of we've enjoyed it much more when they do it more based on the style than a song itself. I think this breaks the mold completely. I think they just absolutely knocked this out of the park. And like you said, Austin, it is basically a beat for beat of empty chairs and empty tables. Uh, It was so good. You have it in our notes, Austin, but like the way they do sort of like the end of lines versus the start of another line, how they sort of like cram in some stuff that they probably shouldn't have gotten to get in there. Really
4: skirt the sensors. (laughs)
2: It's just (laughs) so
1: funny. Uh, Yeah, I absolutely loved it
2: maybe i should have another listen because i don't know about this one i think the performance was great obviously but i think maybe it's because i don't know the what the song is parodying um yeah sorry i as we know i don't have the knowledge of musicals that you all do um but for that reason, I just like, I don't love it because it's just like uncomfortable. And that's, I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. But that means like, I don't love <laughs> listening to it. So,
3: yeah. And, and I kind of fall in the line. Like, I do know the song. And for me, uh, kind of like Adam talked about, like, Adam feels like it breaks the mold on the like direct song thing. And for me, it doesn't. For me, it's still the fact that it's like so obviously empty chairs, empty tables, but isn't a a pair. It, it's weird. Like it has like the same sort of, that's the same tune and kind of the same feel of it, but it's not a direct enough parody for it to be like a you know like a weird owl parody type thing. And it just it's this weird cognitive dissonance for me on that type of thing that's I have a hard time wrapping my head around to enjoy it a little bit. Uh, also, I mean, this the storyline like. As much as Adam loves the storyline, it's not my favorite storyline of the episode. It's not my favorite storyline in general. It's it's fine. has some funny bits in it, but I don't necessarily enjoy it that much. And so this song that's like the kind of culmination of it, I'm not really enjoying the storyline that much. And so the song's culmination of it doesn't do a whole lot for me. Even though Tinnitus of the Loins is... (laughs) quite the line and it's like yeah. my score will get a bump for that line alone because good grief uh but yeah just overall a uh it's not one of my favorites yeah i
4: think it is one of those ones that like for me it like when when i you know was watching the show for the first time i was like oh my god they're doing like straight up empty chairs like where it like shocked me and then i was like oh i don't know if this is like really landing or delivering the way i wanted to or expected to as soon as i picked up that that's what they were doing with this song um but then the more like every time i've rewatched it i've enjoyed it more it's one of those ones that's grown on me over time i think because um you know the, the absurdity of it kind of uh sort of lands better and better for me the more the more i see it you know and and the delivery of you know the lines that we point out things like buzzing cursed buzzing which is just such a ridiculous like lyric um they just like it just lands for me more like more familiar i am with it um, but I'm also predisposed to like anything empty shares. It's a great belting song.
3: Yeah. And I will say, uh, like you, I do en- I have enjoyed it more on the subsequent rewatches mm-hmm. than I did the very first time I watched it. Uh, but it still hasn't I haven't gotten to that point where you are with it. But I do I have come to appreciate more on subsequent rewatches. My first time I watched it, it was like, uh I remember like getting to the point like to rewatch the episode the first time, like, oh man, I don't I remember not liking the song. And then I'm like, oh, it's not it's not it's not that bad no it's actually kind of funny but it's still you know not going to be like a five pretzel song for me for sure but uh, it has grown on me like over like the rewatches over time
2: and back at the party uh rebecca has to distract some women while nathaniel talks to their husbands he basically tells her like you can talk to them about anything except like a few things like public education being pro-choice stuff like that and of course that's exactly what she talks to them about it's like come on how hard is it to avoid like those three topics
3: i mean he kind of put it in their head as i don't know how much of it is the whole you know no don't think about an elephant type thing where like you can't stop thinking about elephants because they brought it up and put it in your head i don't know how much was that and how much the conversations would have gone that way anyway uh with rebecca it's hard to tell i could see rebecca just bring those things up in just like general conversation regardless but it did feel very much like oh nathaniel no kind of like a a white josh last episode like no white josh don't give daryl the idea to like do this stuff to to get your you know baby talk happening now it's like oh no nathaniel don't tell rebecca about these things she can't talk about because she will talk about them
1: I kind of loved Rebecca like going around though. This is going to be such like a niche reference, but I feel like I do this a lot with my D and D characters when we're in like public settings and they like bring up something that is somewhat political. Like my political views will just get shoved out there. Cause I like make no persuasions as to like hiding those. And then it's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. We have to like go back to be playing this fictional character and trying to accomplish this goal and whatever, uh, be diplomatic and whatnot. But I like very much felt that in the middle of the conversations, you're we like, uh, except we could fix public education very easily if we were to fund the, you know, and it was just like, uh, except no, we have to use the vouchers. And it was, yeah, the way that she like went back to it, I thought it was very funny.
2: And then Nathaniel comes over, he's like, The table is set for our plan. Now we dance. <laughs> and they start dancing. Um, And she asks again why he's doing this. You know, she already asked on the roof and she's asking him again here. And he says, when I'm around you, I stop thinking about myself. And I think about you, um, which is clearly not something that he usually does. And they both take off their masks and kiss. And I was like, why are you taking off the masks? (laughs) Like This is a masquerade party.
4: We don't know who is under that tiger mask until now.
1: It's part of the allure, yeah. Once you, like, agree to kiss, then you have to take off the mask. And then it's like, oh, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Who knows?
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how old masquerades. is. I'm assuming work. that's it's-
1: how <laughs> the is. <masquerades laughs> kind of yeah, I've never been to one, but I have to imagine that's a key portion of it. <laughs> and
2: then from across the room, Nathaniel gets a nod from someone, and then he tells Rebecca, it's done. We ruined Josh Chan's life. <laughs> then they leave. And are back at his apartment, uh, you know, making out. And then we see them the next morning. They're in bed together, waking up. And <laughs> I love this because Rebecca says that was satisfying, you know. And Nathaniel says, "Isn't it always?" And she says, "Well, actually, uh, only thirty nine percent of the time." There's some interesting literature on the subject.
3: Oh, so good. Great callback. Great callback. Connecting
1: this. There's not a ton that connects the two storylines in this episode, but like that one
4: line was more than enough for me. That was really funny. I loved that. Like small small moment before we get to like Nathaniel being absolute garbage, but I do <laughs> want to know, like, when they get back to the apartment, um, like and are and are going at it, um, he does stop in for a consent check, which is a really like interesting little like note in there. Like he does ask her, like, you know, you don't have to do this you know we made a deal but you don't have to do this but Rebecca's the one that is like no i want to i've always wanted to and they they continue forward which i think is just like an interesting little note again of how there is like a softer person in, in amongst all of these like facades that everyone's wearing all these masks that everyone's trying to put on throughout this episode um that ultimately like nathaniel does still check in and doesn't just you know charge ahead with the deal and wants to make sure rebecca's into it
2: yeah and um, it's also that
4: then it gets okay. real bad <laughs>
2: yes but it's also that like it's clear that he didn't just do that do this for Mm. that he did this because he wanted to help her and even if you know she didn't fulfill the deal that she promised like he still would have done this to help her Mm. now he's doing terrible things we'll get to that but (laughs) um yeah I, i okay before we get into what it was why do we think rebecca did not even ask what the plan was before this point the next morning after the plan's been enacted they've gone to this party is when she asked so what was the plan okay why didn't she ask earlier
5: i guess
3: she was just like swept up in it all she was swept up in the acting bad she's swept up in the acting sexy she was swept up in the drama of it all And I don't think she ever thought that the ruining Josh's life would go the direction that it went, but I do agree. It would have been nice. Like, I mean, she's called this man, like a monster, a dead-eyed fiend, a sociopath. She thinks he's a evil, horrible man. She probably should have like checked in to see what things he was planning to do to ruin Josh's life. It probably should have come up. I do think she was just like caught up in the fantasy of it all. Cause it was like the, the masquerade and everything. It's just the, it's like something out of a movie and we've seen her before get caught up in that sort of like drama and role-playing. And so I think that overrode her stopping down to think about what the logistics of it all was going to be. But yeah, you probably probably should have asked first. Yeah. Like yes. it's that
4: whole mystique of the mystery is like adding to that whole you know, being bad and sort of things being dark in shadowed corners and, you know, concealed. and But now in the cold light of day, uh, <laughs> now now we can kind of pull that back a little bit. And it's real bad.
2: Yes. Uh, Nathaniel starts explaining, like, you have to go after what he loves most. Rebecca says, video games? <laughs> and he says, no, family. She's like, oh, we're going after Josh's family. And he says, yeah, And here are the three things that are going to happen. His sister is going to be accused of plagiarism and kicked out of Cal State. Um, His father is going to be audited for financial malfeasance and he'll be a felon. And Josh's grandfather is about to draw his last breath.
1: Um. (laughs)
4: I mean that escalated quickly
1: (laughs) I certainly didn't think this was where this was going when I saw it the first time like you're telling me you like wake up the morning after like you know whatever this big romantic masquerade ball evening I murdered just committed some light murder Uh, (laughs) nothing crazy just you know uh, it was um, yeah like we're asking like why didn't Rebecca check in with Nathaniel uh, you'd be hard pressed to get me to think that this is Rebecca's fault in any kind of tangible Probably. way here. Yeah. Um, Nathaniel took this like to a billion degrees way further than he should have ever even thought of. The worst thing Rebecca could think to do was sending poop, which in comparison <laughs> feels like a present <laughs> compared to murdering his grandfather. So like, uh, yeah, this is this is real bad for Nathaniel.
2: Clearly, she is taken aback. She's like, "You're gonna kill Josh's Lolo." <laughs> we will get more of her reaction in a bit. Um, but first we cut to Josh, and it's funny because he's playing a video game on his phone right after Rebecca said, "Like, what he cares about most is video games."
4: They really should have talked to the the person that could just make his life super annoying and could like cut off his data plan for his phone. That yeah. Yeah. Simple.
1: That's probably Josh's family, too, though. It's probably
4: his dad. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> True. Well, there you go. Two beds, one son. You get the family as well. There you go. Without killing Lolo.
2: <laughs> right. Um, and I guess the video game has zombies, and he's like, no one can rise from the dead. That's stupid, right? As Father Rodrigo is walking up, and Josh is like, oh, obviously Jesus can, and did.
5: And Willigan. again. Will again.
1: Will again. <laughs> um, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's just like the same thing like what, what, doing here no one even shouts that kind of stuff in any zombie video game ever it's not like you're mad at the mechanics of what a zombie is while you're playing the zombie video game like you want to kill them you want to destroy them you're not going to question
3: their legitimacy <laughs> know, like, he's questioning the entire concept of zombies as yeah. he's playing a zombie game
0: like, like,
3: like, that's- oh my gosh
4: well, he's thinking critically about the games he's playing because now he's thriving in an academic setting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh!
3: Yeah, touche, Austin. Touche. This is a
2: good a good spin on it. <laughs> yeah, um, Wendy, but... take
1: notes for when Austin's not here. How to spin Josh's stuff? Yeah, I'm learning a lot.
2: Um, but yes, it's it's not getting any better because uh, <laughs> Father Rodrigo says like you know you seemed upset so i came by to offer you a special treat and josh says jelly beans <laughs> and when father rodrigo says no josh is visibly disappointed <laughs> which i loved this may be our only adam's kitchen corner um oh, no episode what do you think of jelly beans i i, I mean they're fine i guess
1: I've never gone out of my way to like purchase or eat a jelly bean. Um, You know, it's never been like a high priority. It's not like a top candy or anything like that. I'd much rather have something like peanut butter based or, or, you know, nut based or something like that. I don't think I'm doing, I don't think I'm doing jelly beans.
2: Well, I personally love sugar. So how can I not love jelly beans? It's gotta be a good flavor though. Mm. but if it's a good what's like the top
1: flavor of jelly bean
2: uh jelly belly has these ones i think they might be called like berry blue i love those
1: is it so wait is it i'm sorry is it is it blueberry no berry
2: blue (laughs) what's the berry though unnamed i'll look it up to make sure but i'm pretty sure it's like it is named
1: though blue is a berry
2: like I blueberry. know blueberries exist. I'm yeah. saying the flavor is not blueberry. It's not blueberry. I swear. Okay. It's berry blue.
4: <laughs> I mean, it's blue flavor. Like all those. Like- <laughs> yeah.
1: Iterate. Yeah.
2: You see this? You see I that mean, color? I see
1: the blue. Well, yeah, the color isn't coming through great, but I see the the blue jelly bean nature of what you're showing me. I'm. I want to know what the, what the what the actual flavor is though.
2: Um. So they are called berry blue. I was correct. Let me see if there's a description here. Um. I can get free shipping. Okay. (laughs) There we go. Okay. It says, it Mm -hmm. says berry blue captures uh, the wonderful color of a crystal clear blue sky and delivers just as refreshing of a taste. Sky flavor?
1: (laughs) Tastes like the sky? Uh, It tastes good. I'll tell you that. (laughs) <laughs> I have been to the Jelly Belly uh, factory, though it's in uh, Wisconsin near where I used to live back when I lived in Wisconsin. Um, so we, you know, we've been there. I, I think pina colada is probably my favorite jelly bean flavor. Oh, Lindy no. had a visceral mm. reaction no, to that.
2: Not good. You know,
1: not good.
2: That's what I said.
1: Okay, well, I, I guess next time we'll have to try the sky flavored uh, jelly bean.
2: <laughs> you won't regret it; they're and so we'll, good.
1: And then we'll see. I feel like another popular flavor is like the the buttered popcorn. I feel like I see that Ugh. one a lot in a, in a jelly bean. It's, pack. it's pretty meh. I would say not
2: good, terrible.
1: Favorite favorite jelly bean flavors, Todd and Austin. Anything?
4: anything. It's, it's red. I think it what it works for me. Just a the general red. If Lindy can choose blue, I'm going to choose To be red. fair, I protested the blue.
5: I <laughs> to was, be I was, fair,
2: <laughs> it's not blue. It's berry blue, okay? <laughs> What's
1: wild, though, Lindy, is that the description didn't contain berries. Yeah. It, but like The modifier of blue was
2: not anything to do with anything berry related. I was surprised about that, to be honest. Yeah. I mm-hmm. didn't expect that.
1: Is there any particular red, Austin? Like strawberry, watermelon, just like a like a fruit type? Or I think like the, a...
4: the ones that kind of like have a little bit more of like the sort of cherry kick to it. Fan of those.
3: Okay. Yeah. So I think a lot of like the jelly beans I've gotten have not been like like they don't have like the flavor listed on them. The the flavor isn't necessarily like a super recognizable thing. You know, it's just kind of like the generic like like red, yellow, green. You know, there's like maybe a hint of them like the but the yellow aren't like lemon or banana. They're just, like, yellow jelly bean flavor. I don't know if I can, like, my palate's not sophisticated enough to, like, tell you what flavor those are, you know, but...
1: I love the idea that you need a sophisticated palate to taste the sky.
3: (laughs) 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 I mean... Do, do you know what the sky tastes like? I have like? no
1: clue what the
3: I don't. The so sky It's sky possible is. the berry blue do taste like the sky for those who have never actually tasted mm-hmm. the sky.
2: True. I'm encouraging you all to order a bag. Okay, I'm going to order, right
0: order it
3: right now.
2: I'm going to order it right now. Yes, get free shipping. Yes, get free shipping. Well, you had to order a certain amount, but I could do very that. Blue. Um, I also encourage you to order a bag of cotton candy flavor. The pairing of those is excellent. Oh I used God. to do that all the time. <laughs>
1: Okay, I can order a. Po- oh my! I feel like a pound of jelly beans is a lot of jelly beans. <laughs> it might not be. The bag doesn't actually look that big, but it just feels like a pound of a pound of
4: jelly beans. A pound of jelly beans is All a right, lot.
1: thirteen dollars done. I'm buying it. It'll be really it is. Yeah, done. Okay.
3: Am yeah. <laughs> I going to buy very blue jelly styles? So we can like have a taste. Yeah,
1: we'll let you know on the next episode.
4: I
3: mean, it's, at so the excited. very
4: least, it's going to be better than, like, the bags of, like, just black jelly beans that we saw at oh, the, the pharmacy oh. that I... That black, I black, black licorice, beans, black licorice just... Was like, it was, like, like just a bag trash. of black jelly beans. Oh. It's, it's, like, <laughs> the
3: worst. The worst. There's nothing I hate more than black licorice flavor. Agreed, wow, yeah, Todd. Completely
4: Yeah. Agree. So did I, until it was the only thing I could subtly eat while I was manning the cash register. And so uh, I learned oh.
5: <laughs> to survive it. Uh,
3: no, I, there's there's no way I could have done it. There's no way I would have just like starved. I would have gone without sugar. I couldn't do it. It's awful.
2: Agreed. Um I'm that glad we a have... much better
3: Adam's Kitchen Corner
1: than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yes. I'm glad yeah. we had
2: such a lively discussion about jelly beans. Out. Yeah um oh, but no that was not the treat uh the father is offering that josh can pass around the collection basket at the service today um and josh agrees but it's very clear that the priest is so annoyed by him
1: even <laughs> like turns around he's guy. Yeah, <laughs> guy. Like, as he turns around just even like try <laughs> and hide it from josh like, that's very much josh could hear you see his like confused face, his reaction it's just like Yeah, that's how I feel every time, Father Rodrigo, every time, this freaking
3: guy. Yeah, I love that, the the priest, this freaking guy, just, so good.
2: Then we go back to Rebecca, she's telling Nathaniel, undo it, like, you can't kill Josh's Lolo, um, and Nathaniel is like, uh, you said you wanted me to do evil things, like, so that's what I did, um, And Rebecca starts kind of listing off the things that she's tried, but saying that, like, none of it has made her feel better. Like, you know, the cupcakes, the fake sex tape, the suing, but, like, nothing is working. Um, She just wants a way to, like, for Josh to have to face what he did to her um, because he left her, like, a fool at the wedding and didn't let her embarrass him the way he embarrassed her. Um, And it's very clear that, like, Rebecca has just not had an opportunity to confront Josh face to face. Like, she has not seen him since before the wedding, which is just horrible when you think about it. Like, she was expecting to marry Josh, and he just disappeared to become a priest. That's ridiculous in itself. But, like, not even having a conversation with her, I totally understand why she's taking this so badly.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's definitely not taking it well. I think one of my favorite parts of this scene is Nathaniel being, like confused and disgusted at rebecca she's like uh or he's like what did you send him like in reference to <laughs> the cupcakes of course this is the morning after he had someone killed so you know uh i don't really understand how he's doing that but uh that reaction was very funny there
3: yeah i also like Now she's like you know she did not like his plan, She like the other plans like slightly don't like don't like anyone's porridge or goldilocks i really <laughs> like that line uh but my favorite thing about the scene is i feel like we're, we're finally get rebecca like finally verbalizing exactly what it is she's feeling we got a little hints of it before when she was telling her plan about how she wanted you know she had poop on her face metaphorically so now josh needs to have poop you know she kind of these weird metaphorical things but here she's just very clearly stating like exactly what is driving her she's finally verbalizing you know how much it's hurt her that she hasn't seen him hasn't heard from him that you know he embarrassed her and she didn't get a chance to Confront him, and and that thing like that. Probably would have made it worse in the moment, and which in some ways it might have. But at the same time, she would have at least had some catharsis. She would have been able to. It may have like been a horrible thing, but at least there would have been some sense of closure. and She would have been able to say the things to him that she wanted to say. Um, and if it, it happened in the moment, it may have gone better for her than what actually happens in this episode. Uh, since, since she's had like a few weeks of the steam build up. And things really go off the rails. Uh, but I just love that she finally is, I know, stating outright what is driving her. That's one of the things I love the most about the scene. Absolutely.
4: It's it's this like really clear statement, um, which is which is nice to see of like kind of pushing through all of the you know, after all of this facade that has been pressing through the episode, now it really pushes through. We see Rebecca exactly as yeah, yeah exactly as she is. And being able to clarify what it is she wants and then the problem is that she just then enacts that in a way that makes things a million times worse but you know for this moment she's clarified what she needs and um there's something really like refreshing about that sort of pressing through all of this other false uh pretense of this episode question nathaniel (laughs) with all of this stuff this is such a hard thing to figure out about nathaniel's character for me going forward because i like legit i enjoy nathaniel as a character i love his actor i love his like the the delivery of the humor it's really tough to to reconcile that nathaniel was willing to do something this extreme And like we've seen people do, like some pretty bad stuff in this show. You know, Rebecca's about to list out a whole bunch of them um, that she's done, um, and she's our protagonist. But it just feels like this is such a harsh line that I'm curious how you all have found reconciling this part about Nathaniel's character with him as a character on the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll echo your sentiments. I think the lines are delivered really, really well. I think the actor does a phenomenal job at portraying the character. There, uh, you know, There's a lot of really funny moments. There's a lot of really interesting moments. Admittedly, the, I think I reconcile it differently, at least than, uh, I'll say, Lindy. I don't like Nathaniel. Uh, I, I think, like, you know, we'll see his character certainly change and become more of this, uh, I'm not going to say rootable, but I think, like, there are certainly aspects of his character that you can find yourself slipping into these. I want him and Rebecca to be together. Even in this episode, I think there are moments of just like, they have good chemistry when they have good chemistry. And like in those moments, it can be easy to kind of slide into that. I'm just not rooting for that though. (laughs) I think Rebecca can and like should do a lot better and set her standards a lot higher, despite what you're saying of her having done similarly awful things throughout the past like you know two seasons and and an episode um he's just not a character that i'm like actively rooting for and i i think it can be tough to reconcile even in there are scenes that i enjoy him in or there are you know specific times that i'm like oh that you know really funny comment by nathaniel or i love how his character does this and it's just like Okay, he did try and kill someone. Like we were just there. Like this did just happen. Uh I think it can be hard to reconcile. And I think just the way I do it, I,
2: I'm not rooting for him. I don't like him. I I mean, you like there's no way to defend this. And I'm and I don't defend it, and I'm not going to. So it's not that I'm like, oh yeah, Nathaniel's great. And like I guess I just think of it as like this is a tv show and like if this happened in real life obviously like that's absolutely horrible like would not root for this person but it is a tv show and this is kind of played as like not humor but like whoa whoa that was extreme like let's pull it back like we didn't really mean that um so i guess i just kind of don't really focus on this and in, t- in nathaniel's character overall um but yeah it's 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 a terrible thing i'll say that yeah
3: yeah And i think i mentioned before like i, I love nathaniel as a character like i don't know that i'm necessarily like rooting for him and rebecca to, to be together ever necessarily but i love him as a character i think he's like Again, like a lot of it is the actor. A lot of the actor is just so great, so funny, uh, really charming, and he sells a lot of these really horrible lines. And I, I enjoy like a, like a complex, kind of morally ambiguous character a lot of the time. So, uh, and I think like the thing with something like this is it does feel like it's such an outlier for the character. It's such a weird thing. It's something that we've never seen him go to that extreme. Before necessarily, never seem to go to the extreme again necessarily. So it feels like just such a weird thing. Like his uh, his view of like what's wrong is right is like really awful because of the how he was raised and likely lived. And Rebecca's coming to him, begging him to be a dead eyed fiend, sociopath, and she's wanting him to do something evil. And he's trying to please her, and so he goes well beyond what anyone could do it just feels like so overblown and cartoonish that it's never, I mean, it comes up again. It comes again later. Just the way they treat it is kind of like hand wavy, lamp shady type thing. Like the show's even like, Oh yeah, we went way too far with that. I feel. So I think that's kind of the way I feel like it's like, Oh, I guess my, my head goes into like TV writers misstep mode more than a uh, dislike the character because of it mode, I think is p- kind of what it is uh, with me a little bit.
1: Somewhat yeah. similar to how we've been viewing Scott to, to some extent, I think. Like we, mm. you know, uh, different, you know, <laughs> very different situations. But <laughs> in terms of like overcoming the writers doing something that we didn't necessarily like yet, yeah, that's certainly where Scott falls in.
4: Yeah, I think that's where I sort of fall on it too. Like ultimately, like, you know, I I enjoy the character for what he what he brings to the show as as a character, and this just feels like that, uh, like you say, that out, that outlier, that thing that's kind of a little bit, you know, off base from from Nathaniel's sort of core as a, as a character, even with his flaws. Um, that it's more of just the the sitcommy side of of things kind of pressing through the the absurdity of the sitcommy side of of the show sort of pressing through that. Rather than necessarily a reflection fully on on his character, but you know it sort of shades in the extents that he is willing to go to, and I think that's something that I struggle with a little bit in the long term of kind of completely forgetting about Nathaniel's character, even as much as I might enjoy his his more uh, sort of absurd qualities as they come through uh, in future.
2: So uh, Rebecca apologizes and she leaves, and then we see her at her place. There's a knock on the door, and it is the package that she tried to send to Josh, but it was returned to sender because of insufficient postage. And Rebecca's reaction is like, Josh didn't even get the poop, and she throws it on the ground. (laughs) Just her frustration in this moment. It's sad, but it's also really funny.
5: Yeah.
4: But then the eyes drift back <laughs> back to the wedding dress on the wall. when it's all turning, uh, yes. turning. Turnin'.
2: She sees her wedding dress hanging up. And then we see at the church, Josh is passing around the collection basket. And Rebecca opens the door in her wedding dress. It's this big moment.
4: I love I do, the I do love the, the priest uh, telling... Uh, Josh to go easy on the my sons
5: <laughs> <laughs> go easy on the my sons yeah. my son like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that, that, that's pretty funny but I, I love the shot of Rebecca in the doorway Rebecca just slamming the door open and there she is in the dress with like the light just like streaming behind her and her looking ready to just rip Josh to shreds it's like a wonderful wonderful way to end that little sequence of just like oh man he's in for it now
2: And before we get to what happens uh, with Rebecca, we go to Paula. She is at Sugar Face, the donut place. Um, She's just there, like, seemingly doing some work. And Tim is there. He runs into her and he says, thank you. He says, my beloved and I had the best (laughs) night of our 11-year marriage (laughs) last night. (laughs) Like, okay. Um, And he says, all thanks to you women in the office. And Paula's like, what? <laughs> and Tim says, Your cutting comment saved my or changed my whole life. <laughs> and it's so funny because Paula doesn't remember it. But she's <laughs> like, But I'm sure <laughs> I might have said something mean, and it wouldn't be the first time that that's happened. It's changed someone's
3: life. It's like, if I toss a main comment that totally changed your life, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> 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 I mean, she just rolls with it. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I, I can be incredibly mean. And often it is, you know, change people's lives. So,
5: yeah.
1: Especially like because of the severity of her comment, I was just like Tim, you've never given your wife an orgasm. It just doesn't even think about <laughs> it. Like that was just a throwaway line for Paula in her life. That's wild.
3: <laughs> I feel like it's not even close to the meanest thing Paula has said <laughs> to Tim in the years. <laughs> I mean, like the list of things she said to Tim the time they've been working together, it's probably way far down the list of the mean things that she said to him. So I can see why it didn't register with her.
2: And then (laughs) Fala says, but if she never told you that in 11 years, that is on her. You have some, you have a giant communication gap. There's some deep problems in your relationship once again the
4: orgasm gap to the communication gap it's just this gap's all over the place for, the
2: sheer, the sheer <laughs> giddiness here.
1: of tim's face at the start of the scene to just the absolute defeat at the end of it is just so well played and paula just
2: seems to not care again that's it's the like, best part it's just he's, like whatever She's not saying this to mess with him she's just saying this and he this is changing his whole world and she's just like see you later i've got stuff to do and he is just like <laughs> having a crisis
3: i know she's like like have a good sunday
2: you know? <laughs> she just doesn't care
3: <sighs> it's so perfect it's so
0: perfect
2: and then we go back to the church josh is asking why rebecca's here obviously didn't expect that and she's wearing her wedding dress um and she's she addresses the congregation she's like good morrow congregants (laughs) (laughs) once again who talks like that (laughs) (laughs) and uh josh wants to go outside and talk but rebecca's like no i want everyone to know what a fraud you are like you're hiding because you're a coward it's been two weeks since you left me on our wedding day, and I've been waiting for something, for anything, a text to call, anything. And that's when he's like, oh, I have something in my drafts.
1: <laughs> the fact that he brings it up again, it's just like, come on, Josh.
2: And, yeah, that's really bad. And she says that she wants to say all the terrible things that he did to her, and the terrible things that he made her do. And that is when we get the fifth song of this episode we've never had this many songs um this one is after everything you made me do that you didn't ask for todd what do you think about this one
3: i love it and hate it at the same time it's like of course it's a callback to one of my all-time favorite songs of the series and so i love a reprise A reprise one of my favorite songs is like already going to get like big thumbs up but as she starts in and i realize what's happening i'm like Oh no! Oh no, Rebecca! Oh no! As she starts to just like word vomit everything that she has done, including you know moving there for him, which he already kind of knew but not really knew. But also then about spying on him, about a uh, twice about having sex in the bathroom, watching have sex while she's in the bathroom. Uh, everything that's going on—it's just like. And so I love it but I hate it, cuz it's a great performance. She's like she like sells the hell out of it and it's beautifully done and beautifully executed but at the same time that that part of me that hates watching her self sabotage. It's like, no, 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 no. Things are going to go bad. Things are going to go so bad because of this, Rebecca. So yeah, it's like, a very, I have very complicated feelings about this song, which is like, wonderfully executed, does exactly what they want it to do, but doing exactly what they want it to do is like, oh. And I mean, it's setting up setting up the, the through line for the rest of the season, basically. So, you know, that's that's something. But in the moment, I remember watching it the first time and just my jaw dropping that, holy crap. Holy crap! Everything's the cat's on the bag. Everything. How how is she gonna recover from this? You know. Yeah,
4: hundred percent. I I fully agree. It's it's uh I think it's probably my favorite reprise of the show. I think it it does such a good job uh echoing, um the the original after everything I've done for you, and sort of twisting it in a really interesting way, but also sort of evolving it like. You know, you kind of get into the groove like, okay, we're doing the reprise. And then when it hits the time that Rebecca's listing out all the things she does, the pace picks up, like the 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 pace of the the rhythm of of what she's listing out picks up so much uh like faster than than the way Paula listed out the things she'd done for for Rebecca. So it kind of immediately throws you off guard and you're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And it just keeps going and going, going, going and going, going, going. And it's it it creates that feeling of spiraling and and Snowballing beyond Rebecca's control. And you can just feel, I think, as well through Rachel Bloom's delivery, that like just gushing of like the release. You know, she's been holding it all in for so long. She's been keeping so many secrets. She's been trying so hard and hard and hard to make all of this work, to fill that hole, <laughs> to fill that gap. <laughs> but uh, it's all now just. Sp- bailing out and i love as well like the way that she like pushes like even her voice to kind of that, that crack of, of sort of the edge of it like it's not a technically perfect performance but it is so rendered with with emotion that it just it hits so hard i love it it's so well done as a, as a climax to to this whole story and to being that conduit then into where the rest of the season spirals
1: Yeah, and I think the music of it i just loved so much. Like, even from the start, she's just like, hit it. The organ starts in the church, and it's like, that's how we get into the song. That's so good. Um, And then, like you're talking about, Austin, the pace of those verses, like, picks up dramatically. um, But it also, like, doesn't keep a set tempo, I think, is the thing that I was noticing. Mm -hmm. They were just, like, shoving as many syllables in there as they possibly could just to, like – you know, create that sort of frantic pace of just like, oh my gosh, it goes, 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 goes. Like she's doing all of these crazy things. Um, Yeah, uh, really good song.
2: Yeah. And then after the song, she storms out and Josh's reaction is very interesting. He says, it wasn't my fault. There's no reason I should feel guilty.
3: (laughs) So much hate for Joshua Chan in this moment now I know so a a friend of the podcast Tom Palmer has said frequently that uh, even though Adam gets the reputation for hating Josh I make fun of Josh a lot more uh, which uh, is quite possible because I like making fun of Josh Chan but I I typically I do think Adam hates Josh more then I hate Josh. Like Josh frustrates me at times. I don't have like an all fired hatred of Josh. I do. Time, yeah, I do. Whereas or, or Adam does, but I enjoy making fun of him because he's an easy target. It's like the jokes write themselves half the time. So I just enjoy making fun of Josh because it's fun to make fun of Josh, but this episode and this point in particular, I, Oh, so done with him. because yes, he just found out that Rebecca has done some horrible things. You know, and so his takeaway should be like, oh, wow. I mean, his takeaway could be, I dodged the bullet. His takeaway could be, oh, wow. I I can't believe I let myself get roped in by that. But the, it wasn't my fault. There's no reason why I should feel guilty. When he did what was objectively a horrible thing to another human being and not for any of the reasons. It's not like he found out about all this stuff. He, you know, categorically threw away the folder that may have told them about some of this stuff. We still don't know. We still don't know what was in the thing that Trent gave him with the big confidential top secret stamp on it. But his takeaway from this should not be, oh, this no reason I should guilty. No, he still did something horrible. And he just like instantly is like, oh, wow, her, her, the all this stuff now gives me the free pass I thought being a priest would give me a free pass on. So I'm just grabbing that free pass without even thinking even a little bit about what a horrible crap move i did to another human being that i supposedly loved i hate him so much in this moment i loathe him in this moment
4: a hundred percent agree like it's it's one of those things where it's like i you know it's it's very clear the whole episode they're setting josh up as very clearly running away you know in in head in the clowns he's talking about how god's his god is his easy pass and that's all he wants he wants an easy pass he wants a way out that is like an escape from from everything else and the fact that he latches onto this out uh you know sort of outpouring from rebecca and it's all then still about just like oh i'm absolved i'm free and it's like that's not what you should be taking away from it this is not you know yes there is a lot there that uh you know is is bad and reflects you know poorly on rebecca and you know as you're saying like yeah, dodged a bullet. <laughs> this is not. This was not a healthy relationship, but you still have a part to play in it. Um, and, but I think that's what the show is intending for us to feel. I don't think it's it's intending for us to buy into Josh's uh, you know freedom here. I think we're meant to look at him with that very critical eye of being like, dude, <laughs> no, um, which is like at least a <laughs> a thumbs up from the show's sort of storytelling.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree that the show isn't trying to make us think that Josh mm-hmm. is right this moment. Like I said, like the entire episode has been building up the fact that Josh is just clueless and not thinking through things. So, yeah, I agree with that.
2: And then we just get one more short little scene. Rebecca, she gets back in her car and she's laughing kind of after this whole big moment. And she's saying to herself, like, okay, I feel better. Like, oh, my gosh, I told him everything. Oh, my gosh, I told him everything.
4: Dun dun
2: dun!
4: You can hear the organ playing from the church, practically.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's our episode.
1: That's the episode, Woo! season three, episode two of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, I-, I think a really good episode. I think a very strong episode. A lot of amazing music, interesting storylines, some stuff that we hated, but I think we hated it in a way that made us love the show, uh, which is I think the part of the show that I really enjoy. So, um. That's the episode. That's all we have on the episode. But we are not done here today. We still have a couple more things to do. The first of which is, of course, to head into Todd's Game Corner. Ta-da. And we're back here in Todd's Game Corner. Now, Austin does not know the result from last week. However, uh, my, my prediction of Lindy coming in hot season three and winning uh, the season three game gear so far has been accurate. Lindy got off to a 1-0 lead last episode uh, and, and, you know, currently dominating the standings here today.
2: Okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> But of
1: course, as you know, we have a guest on the podcast here. Austin, you're very familiar with this, with this quandary of having to pick between the two of us here. Linny's currently up one zero. It's only the second episode of the season. Which team would you like to join today?
4: Well, it's it's true. It's like, you know, uh, you know, if the if the rhythm has been sort of set up to this point that, you know, you know, Adam's often way out in front, you know, the guest comes on, you know, helps try to, you know. Bring bring, it, uh, bring, Lindy back into things like, well, Lindy's the one out in front now. So maybe I should try to help even the field. But I bucked the trend last time. So I'm going to buck a trend again. Woo! And uh, unfortunately, Adam, uh, you are going to be alone at this masquerade um, the- today. Woo! I'm going to join Lindy. We are going to enjoy all the jelly beans. We are going to uh, hopefully bring this one home. Enjoy your jelly
1: beans. Enjoy the masquerade. I always would much rather go to a masquerade alone anyway, because then you don't have to, like, remember the mask that the person you went
4: with wore, and you, like, get into these conversations. And it is very hard for you, because you can't even rely on the animal. Exactly. I have no idea what they're
1: wearing. And then, of course, when you go for your end of masquerade dance kiss, it's going to be very awkward. Like, you have no idea what's happening there. So, um, also, uh... I don't know how far. F- I don't know how bucking how much like you bucked the trend by picking Team Lindy. I feel like that is very much the trend of our guests. That all being said,
4: <laughs> I wish both of you the best of luck. Oh, here, as we I bucked the trend team. last time by choosing you, choosing you you Adam, when pick- you were. When you were out ahead, and now Lindy's out ahead, but I'm going to side with the person in the lead this time around.
1: Okay, Austin likes to back a winning horse. I I can appreciate that. (laughs) I can definitely appreciate that. Okay, well, here we go. Uh, Episode two, our second game of the season here. Todd, what do you have for us today?
3: Well, one of the big things in this episode was, of course, Josh wanted to become a priest and lots of thoughts about religion. So the quiz today is going to be about some uh, religious uh, pieces of media. And it's going to be the classic, I'm going to name off four things, three of which are real and one of which I made up. So uh, fun times. And so since the beginning of the season, last, last week we did one of our word scrambles. So neither one of them got to go first. So we're going to follow the trend of a, uh, every other episode, starting with one of the others. So we'll start with Adam uh, this week. So Adam, here is your first question. So, these are going to be horror movies because, of course, they are. Um, so, there's going to be horror movies with some sort of religious bent to them. And these are pretty much uniformly low budget uh, horror movies that are like really not great. Uh, but so, not, the,
1: not like the single digit horror, number of horror movies that I would know. <laughs> not a okay. oh, oh yeah uh, if, any not. Of you have
3: heard, if any of you have heard of any of these uh, there's might be one or two that you guys might have heard of uh in the discord but we'll see anyway uh so these are all a uh re- kind of religious themed uh horror movies so first of all is repossessed which is a kind of naked gun-esque a uh, parody of the exorcist movies then we have Shark Exorcist, which is pretty much exactly what it says in the tin. Then we have Unholy Ghost, which is uh, another exorcism film of a priest trying to uh, exorcise a, uh, a demon to a kid he thinks might be the Antichrist. And then we have Velocipaster, which is about uh, <laughs> a preacher who is basically a, a were-dinosaur. Okay. Todd, I
1: really love and appreciate you as a person, but I, there's just no way that you came up with Velocipaster. I'm sorry. That's too good. That made money somewhere. <laughs> um, okay. And they can steal. Uh, so yeah, I guess I just ruled steal. one out for them. Or was that all just a ruse? <laughs> <laughs> who knows well if you think that's the answer you should pick it <laughs> No, I'm definitely not going to pick that one um, okay I think I'm going to go with my gut here and I'm going to go with the one that was related to the scene in the episode I'm going to go with the unholy ghost was that what the, whatever the ghost one
3: was yeah unholy ghost is the one that a uh, was made up you're correct <laughs> <sighs> two to zero yeah.
1: What I would like Oh, to two s-
2: points. <laughs> yeah. I'd like right. to see
1: <laughs> yeah. this is this is we've done a lot of games. Uh, I,
2: I just I thought you were talking about like the games. I was like, wait a second. I haven't had a chance nope. to score that's, yet. Like yeah, that's it. That was <laughs>
3: the win. There you go. I'm, I'm stalling it. I'm stalling the game right there. Uh but yeah, I wish I came up with Velocipastor. Have you seen I, uh, the
1: other three? I'm, I'm presuming other, you oh, have, right? Yes,
3: yes, I've oh. seen all three of them. Uh, Velocipaster <laughs> is hilarious. Uh It is a a very much one of those Llamageddon type films where they mean it to be really bad and I think they do it perfectly. Shark Exorcist is one of the most baffling films I've ever seen in my life in a what were they smoking while they were making this film type thing. And Repossessed really was a Naked Gun type exorcist film because it also starred Leslie Nielsen of the Naked Gun movies. Uh, So yeah. So that's our first one. Now, second question. To uh, Lindy and Austin. And this time we're going to go to more horror movies. So,
5: uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> so really branching I, uh, out, but uh, I know. Really, it. really. Branching out. <laughs> so, uh, these are uh, on the whole a little bit, you well, know, I don't know say, higher quality in this area, but they're not quite as like shoestring budget AM movies as, as the first batch were. Uh, so the first one is Avis Possessions, which is a movie about a support group for people who have undergone exorcisms. Next, we have Black Rosary, which is another uh, exorcism film, uh, where it's basically more of like a haunted object than the reg- regular possessions. Then we have Demonic, where it is about a group of uh, from the Catholic Church who are trying to exorcise a demon through virtual reality. And then we have Hellbenders, which is about a special team of priests who sin constantly as part of their uh, plans to get demons to, to possess them and then drag the demons to hell with them. So, three of those are real, one of them I made up. That is a
4: thrilling set of options. Um <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any gut instincts, Lindy?
2: I mean, I, I have. I don't have a clear instinct. Like, I can try to guess about it, but I, none of them stand out to me. It's like, oh, that's obviously the answer. What about you?
3: What was the first one again, Todd? Ava's possessions about the uh, post-exorcism support oh, group. Hmm. Right.
2: I also don't want to give Adam too many thoughts in case he has to steal. So, I mean, you got to talk
1: it out. Uh, the value of Austin on your team there.
4: My my gut is leaning towards. Uh, <sighs> my gut is leaning towards Black Rosary. Being being a fake one because it's the most okay. innocuous. I feel like of the three options, it's the most ordinary. Uh, not to say that Todd cannot come with <laughs> come up with incredible things, but the other ones just feel like they are just left of center enough that they might be the ones that sneak through.
2: Okay, but- I was what, Black Rosary was but I I was considering that one. So if you think it's that one, we can go with that.
3: Let's take a gamble. I'm right. good with that.
2: Black Rosary.
3: And we're tied up. Black Rosie is indeed the one. Woo! No. Oh. oh. Alrighty. So oh, now scores now exciting. two to two. And now we're back to Adam. And this is going to be comic books, because of course it is.
1: I really thought you were gonna say horror movies again. <laughs> 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 and, uh,
3: trust me, I, I thought about it at one point in time. Um but, so now, now we're going to be comic books. And this is going to be comic books with a little bit of uh, kind of religious themes to them. So the first one is Battle Pope, which is the story of a uh, a pope who hasn't really lived a life that's great. And then the apocalypse happens and God has called him to become basically a superhero type. Next we have Halo and Sprocket, which is kind of... A, weird slice of life story of an angel and robot who are roommates and best friends. Then we have lucky devil, which is a more serious take. And it's someone who was, uh, undergone exorcism, but is still maintains some of the abilities of the demon that possessed them. And then we have sent from above, which is a story of an alien who crash lands on earth and becomes a priest and is trying to help his flock while he's still also trying to keep his real, uh, identity secret.
1: Can you read that last one one more time? Sent from
3: above. The description, sorry. It's it's an alien Christ lands on Earth, finds religion, becomes a priest, and trying to minister to his flock while also trying to keep his secret from being discovered. Gosh.
1: Okay. I think that is where I'm leaning I don't know why I'm talking this out. I have, I have, I'm alone at this at this masquerade ball here. I'm gonna go, just go with set from above. And
3: Adam takes the lead. Does and did the one that I made up.
5: Yes,
1: four to two. <sighs> oh
4: Alrighty. my goodness! I'm
1: feeling inspired. I got dejected from Austin there, and I just had to prove myself.
4: Maybe that was my plan all along. Maybe that was my
3: ruse. What? Both three.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with that narrative too.
4: That's fine. You good go with that. No. <laughs> all right. Well then, let's tie it up, Lindy.
3: <laughs> so the the last question is once again comic books. This time it's a, a religious superheroes. So first of all, we have Alter Boy, who's kind of like a Robin-like figure. He's a sidekick to a religious-themed character. Next, we have the Confessor, who was a former priest who became a vigilante. Then we have Miraculous, as in the Miracle-Lass, who is a Catholic schoolgirl who gains the ability to perform minor miracles by calling upon the saints. And then we have None of the Above, N-U-N of the Above, who is part of an order of superpowered clergy and has clairvoyant powers.
4: Oh my God.
2: what's your reaction austin
4: so there there are two that jump out to me and i'm and i'm cautious about giving giving too much on the table
2: well you can because if we get this wrong adam wins anyway
4: adam's gonna gonna win anyway so my instincts are either alter boy just because that's just almost feels like too on the nose in its own way or because the pun is too powerful, uh, none of the above, <laughs> which feels like the kind of thing that I could imagine Todd thinking of and being like, ah, that's great. Uh, you know, why Joe, uh, father, son, and holy ghosted style. Being like, that's a good joke. Got to get that one in there.
2: I totally agree. It's a great joke, but then I'm like, well, that means probably someone thought of it and made it into a comic. You know. <laughs> altar boy also stood out to me um but i i can't say for sure
4: i feel like yeah miraculous sounds like a thing that i could imagine being out there uh whatever the second one was or the the confessor confessor. like i can see the like you know the the gritty graphic novel of the confessor the priest who's turning to vengeance or whatever um but uh the altar boy oh no that just sounds too ridiculous to me um but again comic books can be ridiculous so <laughs> out of their way. For sure. do you want to do Alter boy
2: i think so but uh, this always uh, these quizzes are always so stressful <laughs> but i i I think that's a strong possibility. So do you. So maybe we should do that.
3: Mix up a little bit. So with that, Adam has won the game and the series is tied up at one to one. One apiece. Lindy, we're back even.
2: It's not your fault, Austin. We both didn't know the the last one. Um...
4: How could we not know that? That's that's really the the thing that bugs me. Should have known that. We should have gone to preschool. (laughs)
1: should have gone to preschool yeah uh austin you're welcome back on my team for season four We, i will happily have you uh should you want to be a part of that team unfortunate L here today but lindy we're tied one-to-one this is exciting
2: that hurts uh, i don't like it um... it hurts we're, we're all
1: tied up <laughs> It's a good good game going here. We no, got a we got I, a really competitive quiz shaping up here for season No, three.
2: I've never been comfortably in the lead and I would like to know what that feels like. And this takes me a step back from that.
4: Yeah, I'm sorry to knock you off the higher ground because you never have the higher <laughs>
2: ground. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh, bro. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> savage (laughs) Austin. we're on the losing team (laughs) oh it's so good okay well we're not done here uh today quite yet we still have some pretzels to give out and our truly happy point of the episode and we have a lot of songs uh to rate here i think we have at least four potentially we can also rate the theme song if that's something that we're doing here
3: why
2: would we not rate the theme song
3: we've we've read the first two so just because it's not going to get
1: a very good meaning.
2: Um, oh, yeah. Let's not read songs we don't like. Okay. Well,
1: yeah. It would have been better for all of us if we could just have skipped over Dad, Lindy. No,
2: because I like that one. Mm,
1: okay. Let's start <laughs> off with the season three theme. Uh, you, do, uh, you don't you do want to be crazy. Um, Todd, where are you at here, pretzel-wise? A
3: three, I guess. Uh, it's, like I said, it's. it's fine. I don't hate it, I don't love it. It's just kind of there for me. So.
1: Okay, Lindy, what about you?
2: Um, I'm giving the same score of 3. It's kind of just it's good, but it doesn't rise to great and it's not terrible. It's just good. Okay. Uh awesome. What about you?
4: Gets a 2 for me. It's it's it feels less than average for me. I actively skip it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I'm closer to Austin. I think I think I have this at like a 2.3, uh, something along those lines. Low two. I don't want to go like fully down to a two, but I think it's it's kind of in the lower twos there for me. Um, okay, now to the four uh proper songs of the episode as opposed to just the theme song, starting off with here uh head in the clouds. My first five of the episode today. I really love this song. I think it's Josh's best song. Uh, I gave Ping Pong Girl a five. Only fitting for me to give this one a five as well. Lindy, what about you? Head in the clouds.
2: Um, Yeah, not as high on it as you are. Um, Again, love the performance and everything, but it's just not like my favorite. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. 3.5. Okay, Todd, what about you? Head in the clouds. Yeah, that's that's kind
3: of the general area that I am for it. I think. I think I'm gonna wind up giving it like a a little bit higher than that, uh like a 3.7, but yeah.
4: Okay. And Austin, what about you? Yeah, I trend up a little bit higher, a little bit closer to the sky to that to that very blue. Um, but <laughs> not quite as high up as, as Adam. I'm gonna go for a 4.2. I think it's good. Like I said, there's something about it that like I wish was a little better, but I don't know what it is. But I certainly enjoyed the song. It gets stuck in my head all the time. And uh, the choreo was great. Yeah, it is a very catchy song. Okay,
1: second song of the episode, Strip Away My Conscience. I have another full five. Full five pretzels for me for this song as well. I thought it was just expertly done. Austin, what about you?
4: Full five! Yes! absolutely perfect for me. It's, yeah, no notes. Full five from Austin. Lindy, what about you?
2: Well, full five! Another full five!
1: Strip away my conscience, Todd! We're nearing a full bowl of pretzels!
3: Yes, yes we are, aren't we? (laughs) And we're there! Full five!
1: We get our (laughs) second uh, full five, uh, full bowl of pretzels here for the season. And it's even a fuller bowl because we have Austin here to give us even more pretzels, which is uh, amazing, we love to see it. Okay, buzzing from the bathroom. Uh, we should just put fives for all of my songs because this gets another five for me. I absolutely love this song. I know you guys aren't as high it. It's not going to get the full bowl. I understand that, but I still freaking loved it. Lindy, what about you?
2: Yeah, no, not really. Um, I'm going to be generous and give this
1: a 2.5. You're going to be generous and give it like the lowest score you've ever given a song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: oh, oh sorry you, you've a given deal.
1: a two here and there
3: he's given a 1.5 once
1: so, so the Trent is getting ready song yeah okay that actually tracks uh austin what about you buzzing from the
4: bathroom i do really like it but uh i think it's probably my least favorite song of the episode i'm giving it a 3.9
1: Okay. Uh, we take a three point nine for the least Well, not
4: song not 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 as low as the theme song because that just doesn't even count. I didn't even think about that one.
1: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, Austin. Thank you. Uh, but three
4: point nine.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Todd. For a round us out here. What do you got? Uh, yeah, this is just gonna get like a three from me.
1: Well, uh, that's there.
3: devastating to be a little bit there, but that's
1: okay. And then finally, another five for me after everything. Uh, Rebecca's reprise here. Another full five pretzels for me. Four fives I have given out in this one episode, uh,
4: you, which is amazing. Are you sure you didn't order like a pound of pretzels and not a pound of
3: jelly beans? I <laughs> ordered too many pretzels.
1: Yeah, I have too many pretzels. The bowl is getting too full. The oh, only, only
3: song Adam has not given a five to this season is the theme song.
1: I Every didn't want to read the theme song. I wanted to keep the fives going, Todd. I wanted to start off season three with all fives. But alas. There we go. The That's song.
2: the reason. Um, yeah.
1: There's a lot of, you know,
3: a lot of, a lot of very valid reasons there.
1: Todd, uh, the final song of the episode. What about you?
3: Oh, man. Like I said, this one, I have such a love-hate relationship with it because it is an amazing song. That is exactly what it's supposed to, but it just makes me so uncomfortable. Uh, so I feel weird giving it a full five because it's, like not a song that I actively enjoy a hundred percent, but it's so well done. So I'm gonna just four point nine, I think, is where I have to have to land. I just I can't give it like a oh, full wow. five, but it's like it's up there. The little
1: point one of discomfort. Okay, fair enough. Uh Austin, what about you?
4: Yeah, this is like I said, I think this is my favorite reprise of the show, at least that I can think of off the top of my head. It's just wonderfully done. Um, you know. And all of the little gags in there as well. One thing I forgot to mention as well that I noticed mentions that uh, she associates heartbreak with uh, with toilets. Now we've got the origin <laughs> of where she came up with <laughs> with the with the cupcake idea. Um, it's a full five for me. Uh, this is a this is a perfect reprise.
1: Yeah, it's so it's really really good, Lindy. Bring us home here. What do you have for this final song?
2: Oh man, I wish I didn't go last because I feel like I don't. Love this as much as you all did. Yeah, I
3: noticed you didn't even talk about it whenever we were talking about <laughs> it earlier. <Yeah. laughs> I, uh, I wasn't going to say anything. I was waiting to see how, how the scoring would go. I was curious how this was going to look. The order up. here was very intentional. I <laughs> yeah, guess I was hoping
2: no one would notice that. I was like, I'll just save some time and not really <laughs> talk it through <laughs>
1: gosh darn this system here that we've had in place since podcast one where we (laughs) rate each song
2: score i'm just saying i didn't like talk about it at length um but here i am i i I don't have i don't dislike it at all i think it's really well done it's just i go back to like how much do i like hearing this over and over like i don't know that i've ever intentionally listened to this but again really well done i'm not gonna give it a bad score i'm gonna like a but luckily I didn't ruin the perfect bowl because Todd did a 4.9 so it's not like I'm ruining anything
1: that's a way to look at it that's for sure (laughs) um I'm glad that you're able to see things through that lens, Lindy. I think that's a really healthy space to be in for you. Um, okay. Those are all of the songs that we've had for this episode. Our final thing today is giving out a truly happy point. to who made us truly happy this episode? I would like to start with Todd. Todd, who made you truly happy this episode? Oh, you had to
3: start with me. Uh, Yeah, man, this is another episode. That's like really, really difficult for me to like, Land on who made me truly happy. Uh, I'm I'm close to giving it to Rebecca uh, for her finally like opening up and like just like owning her emotions. But there's just so much like with the final thing that just I I like uh, again that uncomfortability I feel is like no. Uh, so I really feel like the the person that I had to give my truly happy a uh, point to because she wasn't in the episode a whole lot, but she was she made me truly really happy with her cutting comment just setting kim on the right path and then her just like casually destroying his life a second time at the end it's like one of the funniest parts of the episode i had to give my truly really happy point to paula
1: yes uh totally valid choice there we love seeing paula on the board she was very good this episode involved in my favorite pl- uh, b plot ever uh lindy who made you truly happy this episode
2: um, I still haven't fully decided. I'm gonna talk it through. This one, like Todd said, is difficult. Like no one is like, oh yeah, it's that person because the people who were heavily featured were in you know awkward or really evil <laughs> situations, and so I'm I'm debating between someone who was featured heavily and someone who barely appeared but did make me happy when they appeared. Uh, But ultimately, that ultimately, I'm going to go with the person who is more heavily featured. That's what I tend to do. I am going to go with Rebecca because there were many moments where her delight was extremely entertaining to me. Like, uh, with, you didn't even mention that. No, you didn't mention that. Like that part and just loving the box of clothes that was delivered and throwing the package on the ground it was delivered. And, you know, expressing all her feelings to Josh. I like that. Um, So I am picking Rebecca, but my runner up was going to be white Josh because everything he said in that scene with Josh was just perfection. He was giving good advice and he was also being really funny. So.
3: I considered it, but I thought I might be, you know, accused of trying to stuff the ballot box for white Josh, so I can't go.
1: <laughs> I think that's a perfect segue for who I am going to pick. Oh, I
3: I knew who you were going to pick. That's why I had to say it because really I knew it was happening regardless. So
1: <laughs> this episode again, like Lindy, I was between I was actually between Paula uh and the person I am going to pick. Um, But I just, I have to land on Maya just because of like the initial line, the opening of Tim, the whole impetus for why they're even talking about this in the office. The whole impetus for the storyline was so good. I love Maya so much. She gets my truly happy point this time and forever. I love Maya. Awesome. Who made you truly happy this episode?
4: Yeah, like like all you, like it was a tough one to really sort of figure out because so many people are not behaving well, not doing the right sort of things. Um yeah, I kind of narrowed it down like I was considering uh White Josh because of uh you know that that scene. He's a his great little cameo moment there. Um was uh even momentarily uh considering uh Father Rodrigo for how much he like rips uh <laughs> rips Josh apart. Um, also crossed my mind, I will admit. <laughs> Uh, but uh, ultimately, uh, I'm siding with Adam here. I might have not joined him for the for the quiz, but I'm Maya debuted in the first podcast I was on. She came back the second time in the second podcast I was on. Uh, she is wonderful in this episode, and I think is one of the few people that didn't do anything that pissed me off. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, love Alan. her owning herself, love her loving herself. Uh, love her, uh, love her frank sex, sex education. It's a uh, fantastic uh, Maya all the way. Love it. Gold star queen uh, Maya here.
1: Yes. Austin, you might not have picked my team for the game, but boy, does it feel like we are on the same side here. We absolutely <laughs> love to see it. Oh, that is so happy. That is so exhilarating that Maya gets two points this episode. Yeah. Um, And I think that's it. I think that's where we are going to call it here for What a Describable Podcast of Season 3, Episode 2. This was a really fun episode. I really enjoyed getting to talk to all three of you about it. Austin, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was a delight. Uh, it's always good to have you on the podcast. You always bring a, a very unique perspective telling us all about the themes that we probably uh, totally missed while watching it through the many times that we do throughout the week. Uh, yeah, this was just amazing. Uh, we of course can't wait to have you back. Um, but in the meantime, what are you up to? Where can people find you at? What are you doing in this life?
4: What am I doing? That's a very
5: like poignant <laughs> question.
1: That's yeah, that's where we get to at the end of each podcast. It gets very existential, yeah. Yeah. Uh
4: no, if you're if you're interested in uh, hearing more from me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin F. Smith 8 uh where yeah, I occasionally tweet. Um I'm currently writing articles about the current season of Survivor. So if you're enjoying Survivor 42, you can hear my thoughts uh, there. I write over Inside Survivor, post the links on my Twitter uh, when I remember to. I also play a little bit of D&D, uh, just a little, but you can see me playing some D&D every now and then um, on twitch.tv slash DM Philly, where I play in Humble Ewer, a uh, delightful D&D campaign where we are all sweet little woodland critters. Uh, going about a quest for Lost Artifacts. Uh, I believe we've got a game coming up in a few weeks. So again, keep an eye on my Twitter if you're interested. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything for me. It's a little bit of a dry spell. (laughs) I suppose for me at the moment. Uh, But yeah. Thanks I love that
1: him. the dry spell is like you're writing things for the public and you're also like streaming and you know, uh, <laughs> very different yeah. uh, definitions of dry spell. Go check out Humble Gear, it's very fun, it's very cute, it's absolutely adorable. Some amazing people over there over at twitch.tv. Philly. Austin, such a pleasure to have you here. Lindy, what are you up to? Where can people find you at?
2: Yeah, well, first, I want to say again, thank you so much, Austin, for joining us. I was so honored to have you on my team. I know we lost, but you know, we lost together. So it's okay. We did. Um, and yes, I'm on Twitter at TV Lindy, and our podcast, Twitter, one CXG podcast.
1: Amazing. Todd, what are you up to? Where can people find you at?
3: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at librarian todd because Todd, the Librarian with too many characters, and Unitod is already taken. Uh, you can also oh, find me uh, also on uh, twitch.tv slash DM Philly uh, twice a month on Sundays doing a DD and d will will-a-time-based game, Threads in the Pattern. Uh, and also, uh, still haven't recorded yet, by the time you hear this, you'll hear me on the Shit Night Shows Talk Me, uh, talking about uh, Dawson's Creek with uh, Jess and Sarah. Uh, finished the One and Survival Podcast hat trick of guest appearances on that show. So, yeah, that's very
1: exciting. Uh, <laughs> over there, I am Adam H. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Man Adam One. You can also uh, find me on some other various things. I just did a, a Stark Wars podcast covering Moon Knight episode four uh i gave some uh i think like very interesting and i guess spicy takes over there i have not been participating i have not been participating in any of the discourse surrounding the show and so i guess like going on fully blind i was like shocked to hear what i what people thought the norm was although i don't know why i'm ever shocked anymore at this point but the most important place you can find me is right back here where next week we again will not be alone We uh, had a guest this week. We are going to have a guest next week. Next week on the podcast, it is going to be the three of us and Tom Palmer is going to be back again. We are incredibly excited to have him back here for season three, episode three, which will happen next week. And until then, bye.